Hey, y'all, who's ready for, for a show? I'm certainly not, but I'm glad you're here. And I'm glad I've got a couple of awesome people that will join me. In addition to Super Don, who's awesome as well. Uh, Dr. Michelle Perro, for the first time on the Robert Scott Bell Show, will talk food as medicine, uh, GMO stuff. Who knows where else we'll go? She's got background as a pediatric physician. So we can well, obviously talk about a lot of things here. Then Ty Bolger is back. Albeit for a shorter period of time, an hour or two, we've got to reveal the starting point of Propaganda Exposed Uncensored Edition, which I kind of like. Not that the first edition was censored, but we're going to roll with the uncensored edition as well. That's being revealed. But first up, what is it with the penchant of medical scientific man to create things that can kill you? Who can be the best at creating things that can kill you? What is up with that? I'll have to ponder that as we open the Robert Scott Bell show as well. RobertScottBell.com slash listen. Chat room is open. We'll check you out there, see what's going on, and who knows what else happens on the show today, but I'm glad you're here. Let's get this healing party started right about now. Robert Scott, the Robert Scott Bell Show. All right. Spanning time zones and dates. Uh, the Robert Scott Bell Show is on. What do I mean by that? Well, it's almost travel time again. We've got the uh, Reawaken America tour. Clay Clark has invited me to speak for the first time, and I'll be speaking in a row of uh, some really cool docs. I think uh, it'll be quite enjoyable, and I'll meet a lot of new folks this uh, weekend in uh, Branson, Missouri. I finally got that remembered. And uh, let's see who's on on that Saturday afternoon, late morning, early afternoon tap. What's going on? We got uh, Dr. Rasha Batar, Dr. Brian Artis, uh, Dr. Simone Gold, and then me. That's going to be a shocker. Uh, yeah. Wait till they get a load of me. <laughs> Homeopath. Are you kidding? Who would let him on stage? Well, apparently somebody, somebody thinks it'd be a good idea. We'll see what happens, but I'm looking forward to it. And uh, we do have, as I'm thinking of traveling already, uh, Thursday's show is new, fully new. We got Jonathan E. Mord and we've got another special guest that'll join us, uh, with a new documentary about, um, another protocol, a deadly protocol in a hospital. Someone else died among hundreds, if not thousands or tens of thousands or more that have died due to protocols in hospitals since the COVID crazy era began. If you needed another reason to avoid hospitals, we've got another one tomorrow. I'm getting ahead of myself because it's hard to be right now on the time track because of all that we're coordinating on the show and, and hitting events. And then next week will be the red pill expo. So, uh, part of my problem is living in the future. Now I'm trying to live in the present moment. So let's see if we can get to that. And, and also, as I think about this opening story, by the way, if you, if you aren't sure where we're going today, just go to robertscottbell.com, robertscottbell.com, and you'll see the, uh, various, uh, uh, news articles that we're covering. The first one up says now it's the UK. Why are labs racing to see who can create the most deadly virus? You know, and as I read this headline from where I was talking about struggling with, with living in the future at the moment, not being in the present, now I got to go back to the past and go, huh? Well, that's an interesting concept. Why are labs racing to see who can create the most deadly virus? Now I'm thinking about this. Who's in a lab? Typically doctors, PhD researchers, maybe students as well. But at the level at which the, the funding that we've seen through various uh, funding mechanisms in the United States, through DARPA as well, through NIAID, NIH, and Fauci, 
in UK, of course, they've got their own setups to uh, develop and, and observe or perhaps create uh, deadly what they call pathogens. I, I, I think about the people in that realm. And okay, I'm a guy. All right. I recognize two primary. Uh, if there, are there secondary ones? I don't think so. Uh, genders, men, woman, boy, girl. And yes, there are distinct differences. Do I need to go into that? I, I don't think so. But I think in terms of how energies manifest through a male body and through a, f- uh, a female body, granted, there are uh, aspects of uh, the feminine energies and masculine energies that exist in both genders, not disputing that. And some people have stronger energies toward one or the other within either of those bodies. But I think about me as a kid and my friends who were boys as a kid growing up. What kind of stuff did we do as boys? We would get firecrackers and we'd blow up Barbie dolls and and we'd build battleships and planes and we put the firecrackers in the planes and blow them up. And it was like, that's just what we did. Nobody told us to do that. It was just our inclination and tendencies to be blow stuff up destructive. And I'm thinking that these research scientists that are experimenting with so-called pathogens, whether you call them viruses or whatever, to see if they can make them more dangerous, more deadly, more communicative. I'm thinking that these little boys never actually grew up because part of the childhood experience is not realizing the connection between cause and effect that when you do something, it could have repercussions and consequences that are not so good. Not just blowing up a little plastic model. Who's really going to be hurt by that in the big scheme of things versus you grow up and you become an adult. You can become ever more destructive, not thinking or not caring or not concerning for consequences. And how does that happen? How did that happen? One of my strong super Don, where are you? Are you there? I'm here. Am I lost in thought? And I you're just, like, where's he going? No. Well, at first, but now I kind of yeah. get it. But I was just funny. Cause I love your analogy, right? Yeah. About when we were kids and we'd mm-hmm. be, you know, doing all this stuff with God. What's the difference though? So, I mean, mm-hmm. what was, what was the fail safe? Yeah. So like some of our friends have no, are yeah. missing fingers and eyes and all that yeah, kind of well, stuff as a result. True. <laughs> but we were lucky. Why? Because yeah. we had a parent. They would Thank come you. over and yeah. say, "Let's knock that off. You're gonna put your right. eye, put your eye out with that thing, or well, something like that, right?" Parents, responsible parents, would try to connect cause and effect to say, "You do so, this." So this what you're happen. saying is, yeah. is these these people have no, uh, you know, there, there's no consequence to their actions. There's nobody there going, "Hey, hey, stop hey, yeah. that! What are you doing?" Hold up here. Just because you can do it, is that a good thing to do? <laughs> and yeah. I was one of those guys too. Well, and so I'm arguing, and yeah. again, I, I not meaning to be sexist here because there are females that are operating within that PhD category, probably contributing to this as well. And I say the same thing about them. <laughs> your your mom, your dad did not do a good job of explaining to you the consequences of your actions. And even though as you've been under the illusion that you could do and get away with these things and kill <laughs> millions and hundreds of millions of people, potentially, uh, I, I'm just here to say that you do not escape the consequences of your actions. Now, some escape it in this lifetime as they've set the the stage for no accountability within our government system and our global governance system. It, no accountability for injury and death. Now, this is not new in modern medicine, at least since there's no plausible deniability, at least since the year 2000, the Journal of the American Medical Association. Barbara Starfield publishes a report acknowledging that 
The third leading cause of death happens to be modern medicine. Iatrogenesis, if you will, in its various forms. Properly used, administered, prescribed, ingested drugs. Third leading cause of death. Now, at the very minimum, 106,000 deaths a year. It's I, I, it's hard to argue against this. It's probably closer to three-quarter of a million or more. Now in the era of COVID and COVID kill protocols in hospitals, millions of people a year are dying, not from a virus, even there was a gain-of-function virus initially unleashed, but to the reaction to it or the so-called cure for it, the mRNA injection for it, as they denied hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin or any other homeopathic, uh, silver, selenium, other minerals. Of course, they went zinc and, and, and vitamin C, but they forgot about copper. That's a problem. But we you know, have this arrogance, potentially, as a human species, male and female, but I'm speaking from the male species side of things. We have this arrogance that thinks we can conquer anything. Nature is ours to just, you know, do with what we will, as opposed to being stewards for it. And we go, well, we got to we got to create the deadly thing before they create it. And like, you are they you are them. You are the enemy of mankind creating these things. Of course, if you're doing the bidding of a pharmaceutical uh, death cult, then it's desirable like V for Vendetta, where you found in that fictional film based on the Guy Fox legacy that it was the pharmaceutical control of government established some kind of plague that they unleashed. And then they come in with the so-called cure fiction reality. What's the difference at this point? And then we get into the issue of genetic engineering. And, and, and my guest this hour, uh, Dr. Michelle Perro will, will speak at length on this just because we can, is it a good idea? Do we have the wisdom and intelligence of that, which created the entire universe? And I guess, you know, if somebody's an atheist and they don't believe in anything, but, oh, it's just, uh, you know, a happenstance. You had a bunch of monkeys typing on typewriters and eventually a, a Shakespeare sonnet appeared, you know, that kind of thing. That there is no creator. Then you think, well, there's no, it doesn't matter what I do. There's no, there's no order to creation. There's a purpose for it. We're just here. It's an accident. But if you have any semblance of a connection to the divine, to recognize the gift of life is something is extraordinary, and it comes from far higher places than government or medicine. Then you begin to honor it and say, you know what? Maybe not a good idea just because we have this technology to do stuff, to do it because it could be unleashing death and destruction and mayhem. Talk about Michael Crichton novels. You know, nature always finds a way, but we monkey with it. We continue to do so for lack of a better way to say it, genetic engineering. Now we've got home, home improvement, GMO erector kits of some kind, you know, uh, CRISPR technology. Is this wise? No, it's clearly not. It's, it's, it's. It's so unwise. Again, it's it's like kids that haven't grown up that you give them control. You give them the keys to the, you know, the planet. And you say, well, what's going to happen? What could possibly go wrong? You're witnessing Anthony Fauci, Deborah Burks, Rochelle Walensky. Oh, well, I know the culture is bad here. Just send us some more money. We'll change the culture. This time we'll get it right. Really? You think so? Joining me now to chime in on this and anything else she wants to talk about here on the Roberts Cab Bell Show. Links are up as well in the show notes to her and all of the wonderful things that we're covering today on the show. Let's welcome right now, Dr. Michelle Perro to, to the Roberts Cab Bell Show. Dr. Perro, how are you? Robert, pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. I am glad to have you here. Maybe you can talk me off the ledge I, I'm, I'm speaking about right now. I'm just like, ah, and I'm containing and constraining myself over the subject of let's upregulate, let's gain a function. Because oh, we, we can, we should, what, what, what are we missing here? 
Well, you know, there were so many points during your um, opening monologue, and it, indeed, I, I had thoughts of Shakespeare as you were speaking. Yeah. But what you really like nail was the fact that we are creating uh, super microbes and we're mucking around and messing around with nature with no oversight. There's no regulatory oversight. And the little there was prior to COVID mm -hmm. and other things has essentially been decimated or it was really a facade mm -hmm. between the cozy relationship between oversight agencies, also known as regulatory agencies yes. and corporations. So we indeed, we are facing the largest corporate technocracy um, with medical input. You can't do this without medical buy-in. Yeah. Everyone's bought in thinking that this is a good thing, re reorganizing microbial genome. But what people forget, we are the microbial yeah. genome. We operate because of our microbes. We, we are the now the science experiment. I've seen kids wearing those shirts. I am not a science experiment. Uh, you know, those that are aware of, of the GMOs, the genetic engineering, of course, Jeffrey Smith is a good friend. I know, you know, and uh, we've been at this talking about it for a long time. And, you know, we talk about a regulatory state thinking, well, we like we talked about a mom and a dad, hopefully raising a kid to be responsible as they grow up into adulthood. And they go, yeah, I wouldn't do that. That's stupid. I know better. Right. I was taught. And yet we have a, gr a group of adults within the scientific medical community that seemingly had no parents. And then we'd say, well, what about the regulatory agencies? Aren't they supposed to, you know, limit that? And I go, well, in theory, but what's the practice? Regulatory capture. Every time we centralize these bureaucracies, even for a good idea to say, hey, we can limit this from ever going wrong. We find out the industry captures the government agency. And then everything that is done in the name of protecting the public is done to profit and harm, harm and profit from it. And so where is, and I come back to the individual relationship to the divine. I know it's asking a lot of these people, but that we have to have some self-governance. Have we not to go, that's just plain wrong. But then somebody says, Hey, here's a million bucks. I say, it's right. And you go, Oh, you mean I won't get this grant unless I do that. And we see that human nature is played out and they understand how to buy or compromise people. And how does the regulatory agency stop when they are the ones that are compromised? I, I asked some tough questions. I don't know. I have the answer. But I think that we need to bring a little bit of our connection to the divine aspect of nature itself or herself that we would not destroy it the way we are. Well, lots unpacked there, Robert. But what I would say is I think that um, entrenching people's mindset with this is a downside. And the reason is I think it's overwhelming mm -hmm. for people, for eaters, consumers, humans, that, that, that there has been so much collusion and um, obfuscation of truth that I think people have lost their way. And it's so easy to do that because the internet is nothing but a quagmire misinformation. It's really hard to decipher truth. So what I'm helping guide and where I've come to in a career, a long career helping people, right? I'm a frontline doc, frontline clinician. I actually examine people. You know, that means I touch them, take a history. I know it's kind of crazy now. Um, <laughs> It's yeah. obvious. Um, but what I say is I am thinking at this juncture because of the way systems are set up that I'm educating parents mostly, but people how to get out of the system. And the way I'm doing that, my piece that I hope I can contribute is educating people to take care of themselves. Mm -hmm. We have witnessed a massive parenticide. Uh, Stephanie Seneff and I wrote an article called Pediacide and what it's, but we have infantilized parents. So they no longer know how to care for their own families. So mm -hmm. what I've been focused on is teaching people about food as medicine, regaining control of your pantry, getting people back in the kitchen. Sorry, folks. It's the only way <laughs> I'm writing another book about that. Teach empowering parents 
how to take back their health. So you don't need me and you don't need that system that has been hijacked. I don't, there are a lot of good people still in that system trying to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. But when the underbelly is corrupt, it's really hard to operate because there's so much um, oversight mm-hmm. that um, practitioners have to face now. And one thing you did say is I am also mm-hmm. a homeopath. Bless mm-hmm. you, Robert. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Not enough can- of us to go around. God bless you. Thank you. <laughs> well, uh, in this book that I'm writing, I'm teaching parents how to use homeopathy at home. That's, that's basically ah. a whole section. Beautiful. Well, you know, I've raised uh, two kids. I'm still in the process. My wife says three kids, including me, of course, uh, that, uh, well, you can raise kids without vaccines, without antibiotics, and they're healthier than previous generations, including mine and my wife's who are harmed by vaccines and antibiotics. And I've never once had to resort to an antibiotic in my 22 year old son and my 17 year old daughter. And that's not to say there isn't a place for medicines when needed, but Hey, They've been through infections galore. It's just normal for kids. And I've never had to resort to it. Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? I think it's a good thing. Well, interestingly, um, you know, as the study of Dr. Paul Thomas, you know, pediatrician from Oregon, who now Mm -hmm. has since been, you know, tossed out of the system, which might not be a bad thing either. And he came out with that great study. Brian Hooker was involved with that, Mm -hmm. looking at kids who were simply um, breastfed and unvaxxed partially vaxxed and fully vaxxed and the healthiest kids, this is the quick summary. And it was almost 2000 children, big study that the healthiest kids were breastfed and not vaccinated. And, um, you know, having been brought up in the traditional medical system, what I tell folks is I'm not anti this or anti that I'm pro family, pro child. Let's get the negative antis out of our lexicon, out of our linguistics. And I'm focusing on positive because when the mind is positive, mind gut, mind gut relationship, mind gut microbes, I should say. And so that is how we improve our health because indeed we also have a pandemic of anxiety and depression. And I want to move folks away from that, from these mindsets. Mm -hmm. We're talking with Dr. Michelle Perrell, my guest this hour on the Robert Scabell show. Also a homeopath. Awesome. And uh, I'm already enjoying it. I knew I would. And, you know, I, got, I, I know we want to do more as food as medicine. I think get back in the kitchen. I love all of these things. This is what we're all about here. Um, the, the ability to change, this is something that's, that we're going through right now in terms of healers, doctors, medical allopaths, if you will, dra- you know, tra- trained through the medicine system from the flexion report forward of 1910. Uh, there is no such thing as a drug deficiency disease. We know that. And I say it and it sounds silly, but uh, when we're trained to uh, perhaps look at every symptom, ailment, illness, and emotion as deficiency of a pharmaceutical FDA approved drug, it's It's kind of the way it's been operating for a long time, yet there are doctors now and have been for a while going, my training was severely limited. In fact, they put on what I call pharmaceutical horse blinders. And you look as a pediatrician, the sanctity that they placed on these injections called vaccines. And now through the COVID uh, crazy few years we've been through, I am talking to more physicians of the allopathic variety than ever before, not only questioning mRNA injections, but looking back and saying, maybe those homeopaths weren't so crazy talking about the danger of the injections and maybe they aren't actually appropriate in terms of prevention. They are actually creating, as Dr. Paul Thomas and Hooker and others have said, creating chronic diseases that were not considered uh, as a, a negative outcome or even lifespan issues and diseases that have manifested. Are you finding your fellow physician community now looking back in a different way? Um, sadly, um, not so much. Um, you know, the, the only time I really find that physicians, particularly the younger physicians are looking back is when their own kids get sick. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden when it hits home and it's personal, 
and it's not the people you're taking care of, that's when you take a deeper dive. And those are the people who kind of been reaching out because physicians have been so manip manipulated and modulated. And you know what? It's, it's not an easy system. There's been an, uh, talking about capture agencies, these mm -hmm. poor docs, and I'm not, I haven't been in the system in years. I have been, um, have been overrun by insurance agencies and they're in a boy and they are just managed. Mm -hmm. Everyone's managing them with clinical guidelines. Um, you know, insurance protocols, uh, hospital-based protocols, and then packing their schedules so filled that for those who want to do the right thing, there's really no time for healing. Um, there's more time just for, you know, plugging in numbers in the computer. Well, yeah, that's, it's the, the dehumanization of the healing arts. And we talk about the history and and in antiquity of, of the doctor-patient relationship, it was always considered sacred. And the moment we brought third parties into it, even private or government insurers, it now becomes a corrupted relationship where the doctor can't respond to the patient. The patient is asking for something that the insurance company is saying, no, 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 you can't do that. It's like, where did we get the idea that intervening in a sacred relationship was a good idea? We go back into history. Maybe you have some ideas about that. And that's part and parcel to what you, I feel your mission is to help kind of correct those things as well. In, you know, indeed, and, and we're living it here in California. I'm, a, I'm in California, and m most people know that last month, our governor, um, in his infinite wisdom, uh, you know, uh, put the executive order in for two, a, a bill, 2098, that basically said that any physician who spoke against the COVID narrative with their patients and the patient uh, relationship would have their license revoked. And so that is wrong for so many reasons. So that it limits my ability to discuss anything that I might be handcuffed or censored, but in it, but it does kind of violate that sacred relationship between mm -hmm. myself and my patients and shame on any physician who didn't, whatever your positions are, who didn't speak out against that atrocity. And it's nothing short of an atrocity, Robert, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not going to mince words there. I so agree. we've got that. But in addition, we've been living the Rockefeller model for 110 years. And you touched on that Flexen report and we're doing what we're doing because of one smart oil pharmaceutical mogul mm -hmm. in 1910 who sent his brother in law out to kind of cure medicine away from natural healing. Mm -hmm. Because what your listeners may not know is that the original Merck manual, that original Bible of all practitioners, was initially about homeopathy and natural cures and baths and, and, and her healing herbs. Yeah. That was our start. At the turn of the 20th century, um, there were 900 homeopaths in San Francisco. UCSF, University of California, San Francisco, was a homeopathic hospital. Mm -hmm. Hahnemann, Temple, Boston College, these were homeopathic hospitals. 110 years ago, not that long. So we have been railed to kind of use uh, the pharmaceuticals derived from the oil industry, and we've been doing it ever since. So the reason why physicians can't help you is not because they don't want to, is that we are... I would say trained it as an understatement. Mm. I would more like armied into yeah. a pharmaceutical way of healing. Oh, yeah. and they, they, you know, they, they break you down. It's kind of like hazing through medical school to, you know, uh, how do we call, uh, how do we filter out those that have critical thinking skills and begin to ask questions about, wait, wait, wait a second on anything. Right. And, and so you become basically, you know, Hey, you learn how to write prescriptions. I'm not saying that's all of it. I mean, I acknowledge I have many physician friends and, I went to Emory University. I found out well after I graduated that even Emory University taught homeopathy on its medical school curricula up until 1949. They were one of the last holdouts uh, of the medical system that included uh, things like homeopathy and herbal medicine. So we have a history, the un, 
written, but written history. And I only found out about this when I started deep diving into Harris Coulter's uh, divided legacy series. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh my gosh. And then ironically, when I graduated Emory, he was translating Mikhail Gorbachev at the uh, commencement speech. I didn't know who this guy Harris Coulter was. And, and it turns out, you know, as I learned homeopathy later, wow, what a massive, uh, you know, how would I say it? What a godsend he was in terms of bringing that history out. In fact, he was present when I was there in, was it year 2000? I think it was. Yeah. We were at the 100 year rededication of the Hanuman Memorial in Washington, D.C., Scott Circle. The only physician honored with his own memorial in our nation's capital is Dr. Samuel Hahnemann, the founder developer of homeopathic medicine. <laughs> It's the irony. The irony is shocking. And, you know, um, and and I don't I don't have any desire to be a voice for homeopathy or be Mm -hmm. a voice for anything. My voice is for common sense. Mm -hmm. And my voice is to regain what we've lost, regain the terrain, regain the brain terrain Mm -hmm. and how we we harness back the healing energy that is in in every single person, the dividing the dividability for every single child human dog to heal themselves and we just have to give the tools to do it and so all we have to do is reinstate the information it's there it just has to be kind of oh dug out um so we're digging out isn't that interesting though the very information that we would uh provide and communicate is the very thing that's being targeted for censorship ratcheted up in intensely like never before, even though I've been in broadcast media since 1999. And of course, many times I would speak of natural medicines and and speak about vaccines and other things in ways that were not officially approved. And I would get some feedback and blow back in a sense, but not like the censorship that they've gone on uh, to, to in, in initiate now. And I know we talk about the internet as a, a, you know, the proverbial wild west, right? Anybody can say anything yet at the same time, I would rather attend to the uh, the danger of of uh, liberty than the tyranny of, of of having it lost because they want to control be gatekeepers for the information flow. We've got to become critical thinkers, and we've lost that. And we think an expert ruling class elitist will tell us what is right and wrong, what is real, what is not. That's a disaster if there ever was one. And you touch upon it so eloquently, and I and I share that is that we have a bigger question here about whether what you know vaccine protocols I should give you or you know these you know various health protocols. It's it's loss of freedom. We've got a uh, real a way big issue, and that's what keeps me up at night. Is yeah, I can give you some protocols, but without your freedom, we've got nothing. Mm-hmm. And the and so this censorship obfuscation is happening everywhere. And even in our own kitchen with my own husband, we're chatting, and I told my husband to look up the Canadian COVID Alliance, and he Google's it, and it's, he goes, "It's there's not there." You know, I'm speaking with them next week, and I said, "Sure, it is. They're an organization. They have 600 members or whatever." And uh, I said, "Oh, what search engine are you using?" Mm -hmm. I mean, so we it's so right now we still have options until we don't. Yeah. And so this is our bigger challenge is how and we maintain our freedom. And what I what I'm trying to do is set up parallel structures and um, integrative clinics, integrative medical centers where we have a parallel system. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. I actually don't believe we can fix the old system. I'm going to be honest. That's wisdom. I'm telling you, uh, Dr. Michelle, you are right. I wish it were not true, but I think I've come to the same conclusion and meeting with physicians over the past couple of years during COVID we've had MDs, DOs, DCs, NDs, homeopaths, herbalists, nurses, massage therapists, all coming together, reaching the same conclusion. 
we can't fix the system. It's designed to be broken the way it is. We must set up a different system, a parallel system that coexists and let them fall apart of their own accord because nobody will want to use them. And that's that's where all my energy is going now because we started this one website where we're looking at food as medicine. So we have to teach people how to do it. What's not okay for me is like, okay, you people, good luck. You know, here's your ticket out. See what you can find. And unfortunately, people have health insurance that pays for that system. So what we really have to look at how to support people to pay for the other. And so I'm hoping my smart medical economic colleagues out there, I'm not one of them, you you other folks, can (laughs) devise these financial systems that we can support people to transition to the integrative mindset. Because integrative medicine, whatever you like to call it, functional, integrative, holistic, I don't know, there's a million words, is whatever your, your, your favorite adjective is, is we support that. Because right now, I don't know a lot of folks who are doing integrative uh, childcare, integrative pediatrics, very few. There's not enough of us. So that's why I had to take my information before I become compost and disseminate it out there into the universe. <laughs> that was the most interesting way to say that <laughs> before I become compost. Uh, I like that. Very creative. Uh, enjoying uh, Dr. Michelle Perro here. I hope you are as well. I think you are. Uh, and her website is uh, just, it's her name. It's very simple to find it. We have it linked up in the show notes at robertscottbell.com, Dr. Dr. Michelle Perro, P-E-R-R-O.com. And what kind of things can they find on your website? Uh, can they get a, a newsletter from you or, you know, what kind of things can they plug into? Sure. Um, so um, I've been involved with this one. That's my own website was set up and I was going to have a membership for parents. And uh, oh, gosh, I just put everything up for free and ended the membership. And I just put up everything I've written and spoken about. And I have some really good parent videos about food and immunity up up there so they can see a bunch of stuff. But the other one that I've been nursing, my other baby is GMOscience.org. Mm-hmm. We started that in 2014. And that is looking specifically at GMOs. They were associated pesticides with a lens on health. And um, I write a lot of that content up there that you see, um, and I'm always upgrading it. I just visited mm-hmm. the Amish and wrote about their health. I have an mm-hmm. environmental health bill of rights for kids. We'll talk about regulation. You can see what we do. And of course, I recently featured Moms Across America study on the disaster of American school lunches. And boy, gosh, mm-hmm. Robert, to go there. We could talk a lot about, about that as well. Oh, and I'm, I'm with you. Hey, by the way, thank you for this. GMOscience.org. It's also linked up in the show notes today. You definitely want to plug into this. You know, I, when I went organic in, uh, let's see, 19, what year was it? 1990? Was, I was 24. Yeah, 1990. Uh, my, my friends all thought I was crazy. And of course, that was only bean sprouts, sprouts and tofu, I think was available back then. Uh, but it was like, I realized because I was being trained by a homeopath that had uh, was on death's door in his 40s back in Europe given up for dead by even homeopaths with tuberculosis he had. And uh, he found out by going organic and, and cleaning up his liver and digested all of the things that we know as basic concepts. And we learned it in high school biology, for goodness sake, but never really applied it when we went into medicine. And he said, look, your liver's toxic. You're congested. You got to go clean. I went that way and I never looked back, never stopped. And since that time, others have said, oh, it's just a fad. It'll never last. And like now they're coming to me years later going, what was it you were talking about all those years ago? You look like you haven't changed in age and everything. Yet I was chronically ill as a child all the way through the age of 24. So what you're saying is so vitally essential and important. I remember, uh, was it uh, Jeffrey Smith and Amy Hart came out with a, like a 90 minute documentary uh, called Secret Ingredients. And I thought this is an amazing tool because you could show this to kids and kids would go home to mom and dad go, 
we got to eat organic and not GMO because it's so basic. When I talk about what uh, to kids and I say, Hey kids, remember the last time you were sick here, I got some poison for you. Do you think it'll help you? They go, that's the stupidest thing we ever heard. And but guess what? That's what your doctors do. They poison you back to health, which makes no sense. And the whole idea of poisoning uh, the food supply and expecting to be well, and then going for drugs that are poison to help you from the poison that it was in your food. I'm like, uh, we can tell the kids, we can teach the kids and change this forever. If we had access to the kind of things you're talking about in terms of in schools and school lunches, what they're being fed instead, they should be growing their own food right on the school campus. And there are big movements regarding that. You, you said so many important things. I was just at Rodale doing a talk and Rodale oh, yeah. has they're amazing. Luke's. they are amazing. And St. Luke's big hospital center. They now have a program training people in lifestyle medicine. Fabulous. Go, go Rodale, go St. Luke's. But they have uh, these um, CSAs for employees, for their patients. They're disseminating this food as medicine. So what we're trying to do is hospital, clinic to farm, school to farm. Every institution, every school should have an organic farm. And we've even done it here in my county. Um, it's their hearts get going, but the kids love it. And when they've done that, even in our own community, attendance rates improved, behavior got better, less visits to the principal's office. So it's a win-win when we make these transitions and setting up uh, community gar gardens. And remember, this ain't this ain't new. Mm -hmm. During uh, right after World War II, I believe it was Roosevelt who set up those victory gardens, right? All those communities because bringing back food is medicine again, people eating better. Mm -hmm. Victory Garden was the model of the community-based garden. Yeah. So I feel like a Joni Mitchell song, you know, got to get back to the garden. I mean, and that's what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And so I'm inviting everyone to get off that ultra-processed food, which has been shown to give you a higher rate of Alzheimer's, big study out of the UK, 72,000 people, mm -hmm. you know, those weight ultra-processed foods had a high risk of Alzheimer's, autism and autism and Alzheimer's kind of close. But anyway, get off the processed foods. If I can tell anyone to do anything. And remember what you said is spot on, Robert. We're eating daily dose of poison. Mm -hmm. And they want you to think that the dose matters, that dose makes the poison. That's an outdated model. Mm -hmm. Even these small amounts of glyphosate, the main ingredient in Roundup, mm -hmm. Monsanto, now bear, cause, not, not correlate, cause, non-alcoholic fatty liver, one in three Americans now has a fatty liver and mm -hmm. children do, and it's a carcinogen, cancer. They're genotoxic to your genome. And then couple that with a GMO that has bacterial sex with your own microbes, mm -hmm. and you've got a gut mess in there. Yeah, another thing I want uh, to communicate, and, and I, I, I'm pretty sure you know this as well, that the way we describe what is healthy and what is not is just so corrupted, we don't even have a basic definition. For instance, when I stopped eating the garbage food, the fast food that I grew up on. And then over the course of cleaning my diet, cleaning my liver that I went, okay, I'm going to go back and try it, see what happens. And I vomited it up. Like I was in supersize me with Morgan Spurlock. And then someone would look at me and go, well, see, you're not very healthy. And I'm thinking, wait a second. I want you to think about this. The food that has toxic poisons on it. My body was strong enough to finally reject and you eat it and you don't even get heartburn, a symptom. Who's really sick here? Now, I recognize the adaptation syndrome. Hans Selye, I studied that, not from you know going to Emory. I learned about all this stuff after university and recognizing that we adapt to survive. 
It's the, the, the survival of the most adaptable. But when we're adapting to survive toxic poisons, we're not in optimal health. We are in a state of chronicity, chronic disease. And if you don't react to foods that contain toxic poisons, even in minute quantities, you're not well. But who, who, who talks like this? You know, I am so glad you brought that up because as people get better, I'm going to say you can eat that that garbage less. There's a reason why we call it junk food. So in, and that's number one. The other second thing I say is if you don't change your diet, don't work with me. Because you, even if I get you better with some, you know, nice, you know, a selection of herbs and homeopathic remedies, you will relapse. And I've seen it over and over again. So what I ask folks to do is send me a picture of their pantry. I want to see their spice rack, their freezer. And oh my God, people tell me they're organic. Not really, folks. So having taking people shopping, whether it's to the farmer's market or Trader Joe's or wherever you shop, I have no stock in any of these companies, whatever, wherever it is you buy your food, assuming most of us don't grow our own food, then we need a lesson. You may not recall because you're a lot younger than I am. Back in the day, we had home economics in middle school. <laughs> I remember home ec. I'm older than you think. Look at my gray hair. It's there. <laughs> well, well, each day during COVID, I think I've sprouted a few more grays. But um, <laughs> We, we we have to reinstitute these common sense ideas back to to serve with love. Sydney Poitier teaching those kids from East End London how to like make a salad. So this idea of balancing checkbooks and cooking and, and salad making, this has to be brought back in the curriculum. Japanese kids clean their own toilets in their schools. Why can't we have kids who do community service, work in their school gardens, clean up their own mess mm -hmm. and make our kids more responsible? You touched on that in the beginning in your opening monologue is responsibility and accountability. Mm -hmm. And without that, we are lost. So people need to be accountable for their actions. Absolutely. Uh, there's Dr. Michelle Perro. She's doing amazing work. I'm so glad to connect with you. It's a, I don't know what took us so long, but it's all about timing, right? And eventually we all connect. And, and the things we're talking about are really practical, pragmatic. They don't require a president or a senator or a house. Or it, it requires you moms and dads out there go, you know what? This school needs a garden. And if you have to dig it up and start growing it and showing them what could be done, do it. And this is happening. It's not that it's not happening, but it's not really getting a lot of news as a, dare I say, solution to what ails us. Because, of course, if you have healthy kids that don't take drugs, ooh, that's not good for those overlords that profit, including those in government that profit from the control of their purse strings, much less where they go after they're out of government. And two things you mentioned is that what we're talking about is not sexy mm -hmm. and it's not better living through, you know, science, you know, as if, if you're like not into the science, you're into science that, that, that can't be better. And that, you know, Gen Z millennials thinking, yes, if it's on, it's on a device, it's gotta be better. Not so much. So this is the conversation we have to have where this kind of stuff is sexy. You're in community. We're doing it together. You don't have to be six feet apart. You're not going to die. And we work with this together. So it's rebuilding community because when we're separated, we're, we're not stronger. My favorite expression, Robert, stronger together. I mean, I don't know how many times I've said it. So it's the idea of rebuilding. And if I'm growing tomatoes and you're growing green peppers, why can't we swap? You know, why do we all have to grow like this massive veggie garden? I can just focus on tomatoes. I can do that. And you do the peppers. We swap. We make a meal. Oh, together. my gosh. But you'll have to talk with each other and find out what you're growing. And I'm telling you, one of the most amazing things when we moved out west, uh, finding a, a lot of people where I am do grow every year. That's just part of the, the culture. And we're just so excited when we moved to the area and they wanted, hey, come and see our gardens. 
check it out. I'm like, I was keenly interested because I had come from Florida where I could grow year round. And now I was in a seasonal growth. So it was different for me. I had to adapt to that and talk to them and learn from them, found people that have been doing it for a decade or more in the area. So we could grow an appropriate or build an appropriate greenhouse. It's like utilizing the tribal knowledge that exists in an area that you're in. Maybe you've been there. You didn't plug into any of this because like me, you grew up completely devoid of this knowledge and you were raised pharmaceutically like I was. And now you have to learn as an adult. So this idea of pharma to farm, we're promoting it on a website we have called Regeneration Health International. Mm -hmm. And where we have a whole section called Pharma to Farm, making the transition away from stuff in the lab to stuff in the garden. Remember, most of the drugs we take started originally from the plant world mm -hmm. or, or microbes. Penicillins, everyone knows that they're they're from fungi, right? So the, so we've taken those and then synthesized them so we can patent them and make money on them. So we have all those nutrients, all those valuable things are in the soil, they're in the plants. We need to eat plant-forward diets. We don't have to get into what kind of diet you should eat. It's very individual, but that's how it starts. So we have to make we have to focus on this transition away from pharma to farm, and that is everything that I'm putting my all my ATPs in right now, mm -hmm. Robert, is getting that message out there. And how do we do it? Well, farmers, they want to help us do this. You know, smart farmers now are running eco hotels on their farms, bringing school kids in, teaching them how to do it, going to the schools. Um, there's a great farmer in Vermont who uh, her name is Scout. Um, shout out to Someday Farms. She goes into the school and teaches the teachers and the kids how to start their gardens. And she mm -hmm. has a full-time farm mama five homeschooled that she runs by herself. And so you talk about some bad tushies out there. There's some real <laughs> bad tushies doing it. And that's how we do it. I want to invite those farmers. And I grew up in Manhattan, Robert. What the heck did I know about farming? <laughs> well, I, that's where I came to be at NYU. That's where I joined the planet. Uh, so, yeah, I was a New Yorker when I was a kid. And uh, you can hear my tape recorded voice before it broke as a kid. I sounded like that. Uh, but, yeah, the idea is how do we reconnect to the source of, of life itself? in terms of our physicality, even though I, I believe that we are spiritual beings having physical or human experiences. But while we are in this body, it requires certain things that the, the earth can provide. But if we destroy it and, and go right down to the microbiome level and try to genetically alter it, we, we, we're not playing God. I think we're playing something that more akin to a, a devil kind of thing, a Lucifer that's uh, trying to control and destroy through destruction and fear. And yet creation itself is so majestic. I mean, I'm in awe of it every time I see what can be done. Like when we grow food, even though I've done it year after year, I'm still in awe of what happens. It's like, oh my gosh, look at the abundance that occurs by following in line with the laws that are set aside or set down for us to apply that we think, well, we're so smart. We're so arrogant, really, that we can conquer it. We can shortcut it by engineering the genes of it. It's like, well, we're destroying ourselves in the process. You know, many... Um what you say is spot on and many people don't realize that everything vibrates. And as for a homeopath, we know this to be true. Everything has an energy and you can measure our energy as humans. Plants have energy. Animals have energy. There's all of everything has a vibrational frequency, the little bugs, little microbes, Lyme, you know, Borrelia, Bergdorferi, that has an energy. Everything has a vibrational frequency. And so what when we don't resonate, when our vibrational frequencies are dampened mm -hmm. by heavy metals, uh, 5G, um, toxic relationships, we retract and we can't seek up to our higher power, our highest chakra, the greater good, your universe, your God, 
your your chi, your vital force, whatever, whichever language you enjoy, you you use your language, mm-hmm. that energy is diminished. Mm-hmm. And so as homeopaths, what do we do? We try to give people homeopathic remedies that resonate whatever vibrational frequency they're that they're at. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. And plants have it too. Plants also mm-hmm. respond very well to homeopathy. Horses, very energetic. So what we do, we don't want to kill this vibrational frequency. And I would have to say, has there been a concerted effort to de-vibrate us? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Vitalize us? Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Well, it, I talk, of course, vital force, vita- vitality. That concept is something, again, language is something that uh, not everybody uses these words or even recognizes them. But as you point out, however you resonate with them, uh, I think the essence of what you're communicating, what we try to communicate here is the same. And, and it's a wonderful thing when we're acknowledging it and really genuinely joy, joyfully, you know, and as I speak to you and hear you speak, I get big smiles inside and outside because not like I think I'm the only one or that you think you're the only one. We know there are others out there, but for a long time, we have been kind of in a diaspora, you know, a little isolated here and here. And here we are trying to bring it together. If we can't physically come together in the same area, try to establish it where we are to be that positive vibratory, if you will, influence to resonate differently and what manifests, what grows there changes, including the humans, if you will, the consciousness shifts, you become an impact on them, not because you're beating them into submission, but you're enlightening them with your, I don't know, your happiness. You know, that's also infectious. Uh, Courageous is contagious. And I think we need more of that. That is henceforth the six feet apart separation what we are focused on is this network, growing our network. You know, we may not have tr- tremendous funds or, you know, have the, you know, the uh, Zuckerberg or Soros money, et cetera, all that yuggy money out there. And money has, money's okay, but some of it's really yuggy. But what we're growing is growing our network because as we connect, we vibrate higher. When we meditate together, when people meditate together, there is a vibrational energy which is palpable. Mm-hmm. And I tell kids all the time, feel your own energy, put your two palms like about an inch apart and you can feel your own energetic frequency. So when our energies and when people listening to your podcast, Robert, are listening and they can feel their own energy and you're around folks like me where I am vibrating high, mm-hmm. I'm sending out my energy even through a Zoom connection of all things. Well, it's not Zoom, Restream, whatever mm-hmm. we our platform, this energy is infectious. And this is the infection we want to translate is this positive communication. When we manifest that, it will change your gut. Mm -hmm. It will change microbes. It will change your health. Mm -hmm. And this is what real health looks like. Because you mentioned that before. What does real health look like? And we are a collection of thoughts. And we have control of our thoughts. And when we shift those thoughts out of our reptile brains (laughs) into another part of our brain called Mm -hmm. the cortex and we can start thinking in this way we get out of fear mode survival mode and into our higher power Mm. and that's what's being shut down that six feet apart nonsense with a mask on that shuts us down because Mm -hmm. then we're easily controlled right yeah well we're talking about uh, relationships that uplift and deepen our connection with the divine however you perceive that to be as we've seen so many studies that show just getting kids into the dirt and growing things changes them remarkably profoundly and uh, a lot of what's happening unfortunately in schools and has for a long time and i think with purpose has disconnected the kids including my generation grow up not with any of this knowledge uh, has taken us to the point of we are easily manipulated 
but our intelligence can be deceptive as we see the, you know, the medical class, some of the smartest people among us that are able to achieve and go through medical school and, and, and succeed there. They've been programmed to a bunch of wrong beliefs that are not complete. You know, in one narrow area, they can be quite profound and, and impactful in a positive way. But uh, applying that same kind of triage wartime medicine everywhere is destructive. You know, it's not really addressing true cause. And so this is the point of it's not that we're trying to eliminate all things that we don't like, but recognizing there's a place for all of those things, but they don't belong everywhere. And in freedom, we pretty much can figure it out. When we have tyranny, when you have top-down control and those who are captured where we started some of our conversation, it kind of directs us away from the source of our intelligence and our you know, divinity, if you will, that connects us to the very creation that we're talking about in terms of the soil and growing food and getting more connected to how do we live life? How did we survive for thousands and thousands of years, millennia, without the in, you know, centralized bureaucracies controlling the flow of information in, in a censorship era, for instance? And two points I would add on is that the entire Western or medical or, you know, uh, mainstream medicine, however you like to think of it, is based on antis and with a very warm warring war, um, yeah. you know, warfare medicine, warfare yeah. medicine, because if you have biosis, you take an antibiosis, antibiotic. And if you have inflammation, you take an anti-inflammation, anti because it's based on these antis, homeopathies being based on the same, right, homeo. Mm -hmm. We're giving you what we're trying to treat. But that's just a, a, a little aside there. One thing about the kids and their hands getting a little dirty and then eating the dirty carrot. Um, when kids grow their own food, they have a higher rate of eating it. Now, picky eating is a real problem, especially in today's kids, where many of them have these neurocognitive challenges. One in 30 kids is now on the spectrum. And if that doesn't shock people in terms of what's the real pandemic, that's the pandemic when kids will try their own foods that they've grown. So if you have a picky eater, then this is a way we get them growing it and then they try it. If there's a little dirt on that carrot and your soil's not contaminated, they can eat it. Mm -hmm. They're not gonna die from that. They, they will die from other things, but not that. So yeah. this is another way, simple, these are really simple mm -hmm. solutions that people can do at home. Dr. Michelle Perra, bringing it, I love it. And uh, Superdon, you said that there was a story that one of our listeners sent us that fits right in with our discussion here. What can you, uh, can you bring that to our attention? Maybe show it, tell us about it. Where is he? Oh, here he comes. There he is. Bring us your microphone too. Too many buttons to push. Yeah. When you, when you throw, when you throw it to me that, that quick anyway. Yeah. yeah. Diana, uh, uh, sent us a link to a story mm -hmm. and this is coming out of the university of where? University it's in the notes, right? Arizona College of uh, Medicine, Phoenix. And mm -hmm. they've got there, there's a, a Fershad, or they call it Dr. Shad, uh, that is trying to make a change to the curriculum in medical school there at the University of Arizona. And I started incorporating not, not just uh, nutrition, but using food as medicine. And this is something we've talked about for a long time on this show. Where, uh, you know, people will say, well, you know, they, they don't get taught nutrition yeah. in medical school. You know, why, why don't they, te you know, they, they, they teach them that? And we've said for a long time that that is something that needs to change. And apparently it seems like that is a change that is slowly but yeah. starting to take place. Yeah, but we can't wait for them to catch up. I'm applauding them that they're doing it, but I'm not waiting for them to officially sanction it. Like, well, when the government tells me what to eat and it's real organic food, then I'll do it. Like you're going to be dead or very sick and on many medications. So, but again, kudos to them at the, uh, was it the university of Arizona? That's a great move. And we support that 
And uh, this is what I tell folks all the time. I got the mom in the sick with the sick kid in my office. I need more rat studies, Robert. I can't tell you what to do. <laughs> you know, the kid will like, will have got married with children by the time I sort it out and wait for the studies to come out. Mm-hmm. So we're faced with a problem now. Those programs are great. I have the books behind me on food as medicine and culinary arts. And I, you know, we talk about this all the time, but we have to work on yesterday because our kids have been on a serious poison patrol mm. since 1996 when we released GMOs and their pesticides. So we've been eating poison for a couple of decades and now it shows because mm. we've got damaged children. So no, these programs, yes, train folks and that it's not, it's not juju medicine. When you learn nutrition, it's real science, nutrition science, which is <laughs> the real deal, not funded by industry, like the, not the dietetics. Dietetics. Yeah. The dietetics, yeah. which is a mess. And I think um, Mary Nestle just did a whole thing on that uh, recently. Um, and she's at NYU. And I I actually went to NYU Bellevue for my training. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, I was trained. We've okay. got so a lot of NYU intersections here today. This is we kind of wild. NYU. We've, we've a lot of us have passed to NYU. Mm-hmm. So we have to act yesterday. The mm-hmm. time the time is yesterday. Mm-hmm. And so let's. we have a lot of cleanup and back-holded. Yeah fill in and move it forward. But I applaud schools like that doing these programs. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. We're not going to discredit them for doing so. We're going to go, yeah, we need more of that, but we're not waiting. Uh, Also uh, for those that are in transition, right? Recognizing that those toxic pesticides, I don't want to use them anymore, but what do I do about the fire ants? What do I do about the little roaches in my home? All right. There's a lot to say about this, but I want to say fellow Californian there, Tor McPartland, a friend of mine developed a delimining a distillate from the orange peel. I call this God's medicine to, to address some of these pesky things that if you got them in the house, orange guard is just that delimining. It's been actually analyzed as an anti-cancer agent, but it has a natural ability to you know keep the ants, the bugs away without harming you. It doesn't harm your kids or your pets. And it's only listed for organic agriculture. So it doesn't corrupt organic agriculture status either. Orange guard, believe it or not, you can get it at your local Hayes hardware store. You can get it at Whole Foods or you can go direct orangeguard.com. And when you do, please send it a picture of that bottle to Super Don, ask RSB at Gmail, ask RSB at gmail.com, like some of our friends have done already. And next week, uh, this is my intent. Next week, we're going to do a big giveaway for all of you that sent it in. And not a lot of you have. So look, the odds of winning are great. And they're going to be good stuff we get to give away for you, like we do at our monthly AMAs for those who are patron supporters of the Robert Scott Bell Show. So shout out to Tor for doing great work. EPA even acknowledged it back in the 90s before they became even more corrupt, that this is a genuine safe option for managing pests without having to poison your kids or your pets or yourself. And, you know, uh, I, I would be remiss if I didn't do a shout out to my dear friend, Howard Bleeger, who mm-hmm. is involved with a tremendous project from Contact Organics. Mm-hmm. And they are promoting both nationally and internationally this amazing um, herbicide to be used on crops, okay. home garden, but on crops as well. It, it's not only uh, gets rid of the weeds, but it it enriches the soil. Nice. And that's yeah. Contact Organics. And mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, bring it, you know, because mm-hmm. farmers need support. Um, and once soil gets healthier, the weeds go down. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, crop rotations and cover crops and no-till farming. There are ways people can do that. Also people say, where do I learn this? I say, look, go to your your local community college. I took an organic farming class during COVID at our local community college. It was, it was very affordable. It was the best semester I ever had. And I hung out with a bunch of, you know, 20 somethings. I had a blast. Nice. Uh, you know, Marjorie Wildcraft has been doing great work. We've had her on this show. She's got 
another uh, a webinar online available to you for free. There, there's so much information coming out, and there's a lot of innovation in soil remediation, acceleration of taking this toxic polluted soil. How do we how do we get it back to organic levels of agriculture so it can sustain healthy plant life? And the then the animals that eat the plants or the humans that eat the plants or you know all of that. It it kind of goes uphill in a good way. And that health we're trying to restore and retain and regain all of the above is established because that food is the medicine that we need. And we rarely would need to go beyond that when we are living in alignment with all the natural principles that I know there's arguments and disagreements about. But in freedom and with free speech, we can talk about it. We can even argue about it. And we're better for that. And I like that we get to do that here. And Michelle, you're doing amazing work. I'm so glad to connect with you today. Likewise, Robert. Thank you. You know, I could be doing everything, but if I don't have voices like yours where we can share to communities and greater than the one-on-one I can see in the clinic, it doesn't happen, you know. So getting the ideas out there and promoting this in a in a as a collaboratory, that's yeah. what I like to think of is what we're doing. And uh, mm-hmm. we're moving the needle and not, uh, say, not, not the injectable one. Right, exactly. I'll say this, Michelle Perro, Dr. Perro, anytime you got an announcement to make, just let me know. I, you're welcome here anytime. I think we speak similar languages in, in, in de- despite diverse backgrounds. That's the point. We're all coming to similar or almost the same conclusions. And therefore, the remedies, the rightful remedies are making themselves available through each and every one of us. And we become that walking, living truth by what we do, even more than what we say. Because they'll, they'll say, hey, you know, what is she doing? Is she going out to McDonald's? No, she's not. Like I tease uh, my audience about that. I'm like trying to find somebody to catch me doing that. And I can't. Nobody's done it. I'm like, darn it. You're not looking hard enough. But no, I've been down that road. It's a disaster. I'm not going back down there again. I've learned enough. But until you learn it indelibly, mark it into the, that level of DNA that you're, you're certain, there's nobody that can sway you at that point. But if you're not sure, dig deeper, learn about the things we're talking about, and then you'll find the truth in what we're saying. And then your kids, their kids will benefit greatly. And they will say, thank you. Thank you. Even if they were annoyed initially as they were transitioning from toxic food to real food. My small disclosure during Halloween, my husband and I were hanging out in our fun little town watching the kids trick or treat. And I did eat one candy, which I haven't done in Oh, about 20 years, a peppermint patty. Yeah. I had some cultural thing from my youth, like, oh, just a peppermint patty. Right. My dopamine got triggered. I ate that thing and I felt yucky later. Yep. So, you know, we can fall from grace and we just get back on the road. You know, we don't shoot for perfection. It's our journey. Mm-hmm. And you, and then when you read that stuff, you go, mm, not so Pay good. attention to your body. The cells don't lie. It the well do i say the doctors lie they've been lied to but we're giving them an opportunity to make amends for that and certainly dr perro you're helping out tremendously i appreciate you so much thank you i love being here and chatting up hopefully we can connect in that i don't know fifth dimensional world what do we call it outside of this internet interface uh, and uh, celebrate together all of these wonderful things that are happening Excellent. And, you know, and I have some good news to come back on. Uh, I'll come back and revisit you guys. You guys are super awesome. Appreciate you. Thank you, Dr. Michelle Perro, And her website's linked up, including uh, the one. Let me just see it. Make sure gmoscience.org. Check it out. Plug in and uh, do better like we're all attempting to do. Thank you for that. We got a whole other hour of broadcast healing coming up. And I want to say just thank you. My gosh, it's an amazing journey we've been on. And this is not to say there aren't challenges. Of course, we acknowledge even the challenges in our discussion, but recognize the focal point on the things that are positive, powerful, uplifting can diminish the fear associated with those that would entrap us in that fear, enslave us in that fear, and limit the consciousness shift to 
basic stuff that we're talking about that I say the kids can figure out faster than the adults can once they're connected to the soil again. So thank you all for being here. Uh, Ty Bolger is joining us next hour. Thank you again, Dr. Michelle Pirro. Really appreciate you. Enjoyed you. And uh, well, with that, we'll take a quick educational pause here at the Robert Scott Bell Show, robertscottbell.com slash listen. And uh, what else I got to tell you? The power to heal is yours. Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. Yeah, what a great time we get to have on the Robert Scott Bell Show. I do. I mean, this is like, I feel like I won the proverbial lottery getting to talk to awesome folks and having you guys and gals out there in the audience. Occasionally we get to see you on our AMAs or other events that occur around the country, around the world, in fact. And I genuinely feel giddy and excited about that. And it's, you know, for those of you, if you are still watching any mainstream news sources, you're like, why are you all giddy and happy and giggly and goofy and all that? Well, that that's how we survive the life and, and deal with a lot of the stuff that we would go, man, if I focus there all the time, I'm not going to be so happy. I'm in fact, be downright miserable feeling victimized by all the people that pretend to control the world or the universe, whether they be in governmental or non-governmental uh, organizations. And, and there's plenty of that to go around. I don't need to contribute to that, even though, yes, I'll acknowledge we do have to cover some news stories that are topical that maybe not making you or me feel like top of the world. It's like, Oh my gosh, the GMO issue, all of that. But at the same time, by focusing on the energy, like we did last hour with Dr. Perro, do you, do you feel a little different? You feel a little better, a little more uplifted? Like, wow, we can do this thing again. I don't believe that's done in naivete. I believe that's done with the powers of co-creation just as the bad guys. If we call them that, no, the powers of co-creation exist and they frighten us into what they desire to be created, whether it be a lack of poor health and dependence on them or any number of things. This hour, we've got another article from the Brownstone Institute, man. Every art, I, I don't think I found a Brownstone Institute article that I went, Oh, not that's horrible. That's that, that, No, I mean, they're really good. Their writers are great. They really have a, a, a principled stance and understanding the rights come from, you know, your, your existence as an individual, not a collective. And uh, this opening article is about the selfish collective. We're going to get into it in a moment. Just so you know, uh, each and every Wednesday, typically when he's available, Ty Bollinger joins us to go outside the box. He is indeed planning to join us at the bottom of the hour today. Uh, we'll talk at the very least about the uh, the re re uh, reemergence, if you will, or the what do you re-release of a new and expanded edition of the uh, documentary film series Propaganda Exposed uncensored. I still find that funny because the first one wasn't censored, but it sounds good and it is uncensored. And there's a lot more that's going to be added to it. That is added to it this time. If you haven't already signed up, Super Don, uh, can you open your, your thing? Let, let everybody know how they can find out how to be part of the free episodic series, nine part series coming out uh, that we'll talk about some more with Ty today. The episodic series. It's episodic, is it not? Or you you are a captain of word power. I, I, <laughs> I, I just have to say, um, <laughs> yeah, just you, you, you blow me away. I'm in awe of your linguistic, your linguistic, like, uh, you like episodic. Ab you didn't know abilities. that abilities. Yes. I'm, um, all right. So what, what you got, all you got to do, there's a couple ways you can do it, especially today. Um, mm -hmm. and actually moving forward, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a banner in the upper right-hand corner of the website. Mm-hmm. Let's go to it. Okay. Uh, let's see here. There we go. Upper right-hand corner there. There's a banner. You can click on it there. Or in today's show notes, you can scroll to the bottom, and there's a banner right there. And there are um, emails that are going out. I think the second one went out this morning. Mm-hmm. I've sent two out so far. So if you are signed up for the newsletter, you are getting emails to make it easy for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'll have Ty Bollinger on at the bottom of the hour to uh, to talk about it as well. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Uh, upcoming events again this weekend, heading out tomorrow to go to uh, Branson, Missouri for the Reawaken America Tour. Uh, and I think, like I said, I, the more I think about it, the more excited I am about this this the, the sequencing on Saturday from morning to early afternoon when I when I'm doing my little talk, and is that the picture of it there, the Great Awakening versus the Great Reset, uh, and yeah, so the order and I don't know if it's exactly right, but it's uh, Dr. Rasha Batar, Dr. Brian Artis, Dr. Simone Gold, and then me. I'm like, wow, that's going to be an interesting thing. Uh, we'll see how they respond, but uh, I'm looking forward to that. Also, oh, I wouldn't worry about inter- it. <laughs> you're in good company there my friend okay it'll be all right yeah it's gonna be great yeah i'm sure so that's happening then next weekend if you hadn't thought about coming to salt lake city salt palace convention center it's shoulder season so the hotels aren't super expensive yet for like winter snow skiing although it's snowing now so i think there'll be early snowing happening in the mountains up there uh the 12th and 13th of november at the salt palace convention center g edward griffin's hosting another red pill expo i will be emceeing for the third or fourth time I think this will end up me being 50% of all the red pill expos. I'll be the MC and I'll get better. I promise I'll do well. I'll do better next time, this time. Uh, and I'm also speaking at, but look at all of the images go full screen on that. That's, I don't know who the cartoonist is on that. Uh, ben Garrison. Got, ben Garrison. Yep. So I got to talk to Ben and say, dude, you, you put, put a lot of weight on my face and I love it. I have, <laughs> yeah. I nice round face like all that. the rest of them look great. What'd you do with Robert Scott Bell's face? You know, I'm trying that. to put weight on and he did it for me. So thank you. He did. That's uh, the wrong kind of weight though. Oh, is it not the face? Not good. Right. Unless, unless that's the result of a growing brain. Oh yeah. But it's not in my cheeks yeah. and my, my jaw, but it, I'm not complaining. We got Dr. David Martin. Uh, coming to that Sherry Peel Jackson, who we had on just yesterday. She was awesome. I believe that's right. Alex Newman always brings it on a lot of subjects. Very well researched. Alex Newman. Scott Shera, who we've had on this show many times as well. Uh, Del Bigtree, our friend. Mickey Willis is going to be there. And uh, I'll be pouring silver and copper Richard shots. Richard Mack. Sheriff Mack is going to be Sheriff there. Mack is back. So right. it's going to be. Carrie Madej is going to be there. Carrie Madej. You know, why wouldn't you be there? Now, I know you can stream it online. That's why people say, oh, I don't want to go. But you could get 10% off with the code RSB when you want to get your tickets. And I'd love, love, love to see you there. So that's coming up next weekend. And uh, we'll have some more upcoming events listed in the upcoming events tab at the Robert Scott Bell Show website, robertscottbell.com. And you can get the newsletter by texting my initials RSB to 22828. So the number 22828, send RSB. You'll be prompted to enter your email. So Super D, I, I really kind of sort of need your help. Not that I could wax, I could wax poetic on this article. Oh, don't do this to me, um, dude. I'm, I, listen, I have to. I today, didn't read this, and in, in, in it's well, then then we both we both wax poetic philosophically on this subject. I did I'm read a producer. it. Producer, I don't wax poetic on anything. What are you doing? All right, then wax off. You're the poetic. you're the poetic waxer. <laughs> 
you wax on wax off uh, the wacky guy maybe uh but here <laughs> we have this uh article on and the selfish collective and and i'll just throw it out there super d for you not to put you on the spot but i am but i'm not worried about you at all in this concept remember that they talk about us who are individualistic who realize that our rights come from our individual nature our existence as individuals and, and yet we have been blamed as being selfish because we didn't want to wear a mask or we didn't want to get a, a, an experimental injection. And oh, how selfish you want to kill grandma. All of these things, I believe, are falling on more and more deaf ears based on this reality in this article, that the hmm. real selfishness is among the tyranny of the majority, which is within collectivism, which is in also pure democracy, which is why it's a dangerous system of governance, a pure democracy. Because once the majority figure out that they can vote away the rights of the minority, you're done. And the ultimate minority is indeed the individual. And you don't get your rights by membership in even a small group of individuals called something, but by well, your existence as an individual. Let's use an example that's given here in the article. This was written by Haley. Haley. Kinnifin? Kinnifin? Yeah, that's my guess. Hmm, interesting. All right. Uh, yeah. So here's 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 a, an example here. A quote, you know, the the subheadline here. When common good is not collective will. One of the mm -hmm. examples she says I can give of a selfish collective is that of a homeowners association. I've mm -hmm. never been a part. Have you ever been out of an, a part of an HOA? Yes. Yes. Have you had a bad experience with the HOA? Always. A lot of people have. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, you know what? I'm gonna have to cut this short for just a moment. You're oh, gonna you have to take run? over. Because FedEx just showed up, and I'm not going to miss this this delivery. Oh yeah, it could be the new board. I believe it is. All right, let me take yep. this off of uh, main max out screen out. There we go. All right, so this All article right. is linked up at the uh, Brownstone Institute, and it's in the show notes at robertscottbell.com, and uh, it, it's uh, it's it's stunning, in fact, how we have been so duped and so played to believe that the majority in a democracy is, 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 is right. Right. And we talk about this in uh, medicine, right? What is the majority represent consensus science by consensus, this idea that if 51% of the scientists believe that the COVID jabs are awesome, then screw the 49%. They don't matter because they're in the minority. And like for those of you who believe in quote unquote minority rights, it's like, why would you want a majority telling you what to do? And the ultimate minority, as I said, is the individual. So those of us who actually stood against all of the tyranny of the majority, because let's face it, at least initially through the first phases of the COVID, the majority believed we must shut down and lock down. And even if you didn't totally believe it, you're like, I'll go along because I don't know what this is uh, or mask up or, you know, get the jab or you know, on and on it goes. And it turns out throughout history, the minority of one ultimately is what started a revolution of something that was far greater, far better, and of course, completely empowering rather than disempowering. And that majority of one or minority of one grows and grows. And sometimes it can become a majority view. Like in theory, at least maybe in practice, in part of our American history, there was a time where the majority of Americans believed in freedom of speech. Is that the case anymore? It's, it's close. It's dicey. I'm not sure exactly. If we polled this audience, yeah, oh, it's a vast majority. You'd have uh, maybe a couple of trolls that go, oh, no, not freedom of speech. That's too dangerous. But for the most part, even speech with which we disagree, this audience, you guys and gals, have integrity 
you stick to the principles of liberty and you say, look, I may not agree with what you have to say, but I will defend your right to say it. And you're not going to run from it. You might not engage or indulge in going, oh, I'm going to sit there and listen to you because I, I don't like what you're saying, but I'll defend that you shouldn't be censored. But there's a, a, a large swath of individuals. Maybe they claim to be part of the Democratic Party at this point, or maybe they claim to be progressives or leftists. Maybe they don't know what they claim, but they believe in censorship because they're afraid of what you're thinking, much less what you're saying. And granted, you know, listen, if we're exposed to ideas that differ from our own, it's possible we could be influenced by those, those ideas. And I would argue only if they're sound and if I put them into practice and I go, oh, well, that supplanted something I thought I thought was correct. It turns out it wasn't. And I've replaced it now with a new idea that maybe an old idea, but I hadn't considered and I'm better for it. However, if I'm exposed to an idea that's clearly bunk and crap, it doesn't work, or I've even tried it. And it's like nothing you can say is going to make me go. Oh yeah. Yeah. That idea is great. I, unless of course, you know, you can go into coercion, right? You, you can't have the freedom to travel. You can't access your bank account. You can't go to a restaurant, whatever it is, unless you do something you know is wrong. You don't want to do, but you'll go, well, I want that enough that I'm willing to. And that point, the question is, is the principled stance a principled stance if you're willing to change? And we could take it to the next level and go, what about torture, right? Torture or threats to your livelihood, your lifeblood, your life or your family. Now we find out in terms of uh, what we've manifested as a country, as a nation in the United States and many countries around the world with a culture of corruption. What do we say? You go into politics, even if you went in for the right reasons and you're vulnerable and your vulnerability will be exploited. What is your vulnerability? Well, each, each one of us has different vulnerabilities. Those that want certain outcomes, want to control certain outcomes. They've studied the human psychology, emotions, all of that. And they, can pinpoint things that you don't even know about yourself. Case in point, you know, participation in social media and all of that, these algorithms, this artificial intelligence knows what you're into, what you're not, what you like, what you don't. And they will try to exploit that for their own good on a, on a more generic and general sense. But let's say you go and become a member of Congress, a Senator, or even a president or a governor. They'll find what is your weakness? What is that we can exploit? Can we buy you? Can we give you money? And that will influence your, ability to, or willingness to sway and go our direction. Now, this is why I say Jonathan Emord would be an excellent candidate for the United States Senate out of Virginia to defeat Tim Kaine in two years. And if you have not considered contributing to his exploratory committee to run, I would urge you to do so because I know that man for decades now, and he is not buyable. You can't buy his principles away or have him abandon his principles based on your purchase of him. Now, you could say to Jonathan Emord, hey, you know what? I agree with a lot of what you said, but this one thing I don't. OK, that's fair. You don't have to agree with everything. But the point is, Jonathan Emord, you'll know where he stands. He's a man of principle. He can't be bought. Now, another aspect of this, and this is not about Jonathan Emord. This is in general. But again, Emord for VA, Emord, E-M-O-R-D-F-O-R-V-A, Emord for Virginia dot com. And uh, I would urge you to support But there are others that go in that can be compromised, not necessarily by money, but they are. Uh, trapped in a uh, a compromising situation all right fill in the blanks there again emord's not a guy i'm worried about at all a man of great principle and all of that but there are people that yep they find they found that one thing and they got it they got you trapped they caught you and now you are in their control they own you and then there are others that you couldn't do that way and then it's more or less well i threaten the life 
or the health of your loved ones. You know, there, there's a lot. These play, these plays happen. They're not fictitious. It's not just movies and television that show that. This is the stuff, you know, stuff Shakespeare or whoever Shakespeare was wrote about throughout human history. And our founders had the prescience and the, and the knowledge from history to say, hey, you know what? If we want to establish a new government different from the crown in England, let's limit that government as much as we can to these strict guidelines within those guidelines. That's all we want them to do. And if we can keep them there, then we maximize the freedom of the people. That's been lost because we care so much who is president of the United States. The only reason we care so much is because they have the ability to muck up our lives and the world, perhaps because of the power they've been granted outside of the bounds of the constitution, as do the people in Congress and the Senate, et cetera, or the judiciary. So it isn't just to send someone like Jonathan E. Mord into Congress or the Senate, although that I'll acknowledge can have a transformational um, uh, potential because he can orate, if you will. He's a great orator on the Constitution and could impact votes, could impact legislation that maybe would limit many of the things we say that's not constitutional. We don't want it to do at the same time, acknowledging that we must decouple or uncouple from the cult of government. And that also means not only believing what you believe, but living according to those beliefs, no longer actively participating, supporting, propping up. We talked with Sherry Peel Jackson about that. Very interesting discussion. If you're not willing to completely eschew that, that uh, uh, slave number, maybe you can operate within it to minimize whatever is being taken from you by force or fraud to prop up this entity that has become so destructive of freedom at home and abroad. So the common good is not so good in reality when it comes to the individual liberty that you would enjoy or would like to enjoy. And the tyranny of the majority is rooted in this concept of the collective. As I come back around, you know, briefly here to wrap this uh, part of the discussion up. This is a discussion. I'm just talking, you know, yeah, you discuss among yourselves until we get a phone line, which again, that's probably what super Don got in the box. You know, in fact, super D if you're there uh, and you want to open up the microphone and the visual and let us know if it's not too personal, what'd you get from FedEx today? Is it what I think it is? I think it is turn on your microphone too. So we can hear you. Oh, look at this. Look at this. It is a Rodecaster Pro 2. That is courtesy. Is. That specific unit is courtesy of Jonathan E. Mord. Jonathan E. Mord. And God bless I, Jonathan. I am like really, dude, this is this is more solid than I thought it would yeah, be. Yeah, it isn't a cheap little unit. It's solid. I'm gonna take <sighs> yeah, the this is well, it's gonna be with me at the red pill. It's gonna be with me at the yeah. Awaken America tour. You're gonna hear the difference. It's so awesome. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm excited. Cool. I've got I can, I mean now I, I I can't technically do a whole lot with it yet. Yeah, you got to get a different microphone. I know. Very soon here. Um, thanks again to your uh, the your guys's uh, support generosity. Yeah, we we announced it. This is the thing when I was so excited about it, and and when we brought Jonathan on last week, and I said, Jonathan, let's what check out what happens. Like telling a friend good news. Like Jonathan, this is so cool. We put right. this idea out. We needed, you know, to upgrade the technology here because I'm using 10 plus year old technology when I'm going on remotes and, you know, we put it out there and you guys responded. We need to do a special thank you to the specifically the people that, that really yeah. put out 
we had some people that really uh, just amazingly put us over the top within a couple of days. And then I said to Jonathan, this is awesome. And Super Don's going to get one next. And, we didn't, and he says, how much is it? We told him. He's like, consider it done. And he mm-hmm. just sent that. So uh, thank you for your generosity. Seriously. Uh, what's going to happen now is so cool. This is really a step up. So thank you for that. Indeed. Yeah. I just, it's, I'm excited. That is very exciting. So what's going on in the chat room as we're uh, awaiting uh, Ty Bollinger joins at the bottom of the hour? Uh, Leslie says, mm-hmm. that is amazing. Yes, yeah. it is. It you is know what's amazing? amazing? Leslie's organic pie. She's going to make it probably with her daughters and and bring it. And we're going to see her somewhere outside of Branson, maybe in Springfield over the next few days. That I'm so excited. I mean, like all the other stuff is cool, but I'm going to get a fresh baked, like some kind of pie. Oh, I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. Leslie says, working on my first podcast, trying to keep everyone from interrupting. Like oh. us? <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. Pardon us for mentioning you, Leslie, and your pies. <laughs> I know. That's great. Uh, well, Leslie, let's let's check as soon as I get. I mean, this this is again. This is like uh, something that you know people like Leslie Leslie that are mm-hmm. um, people that I can help out. Yeah. I'm also helping out with Scott Shara as well. Yeah, and her, his first um, interview is with Mickey Willis. Yeah, in fact, it it, it just uh, I think half an hour ago he has a Rumble channel. It's deprogramming with Grace's dad mm-hmm. is the name of the podcast. Nice. And he's got a channel over on Rumble. The uh, first interview that he did with Mickey Willis just went live about 26 minutes ago. Wow. So you, should, awesome. you guys should check that out. Yeah. So you'll actually send that link out for everybody to see it. I will. That'd be great. That would be great. Now, we do have, a, a, I think, one of those QOTDs at this point. Do we not? We should probably get to. Yes. Okay. All right. Question of the day. This one's coming from Yolanda. It says this. Hi, Robert and Super Don. Have you heard of statin drugs causing liver issues? Hmm. Never heard of that. Have you, Super Don? Ever? Statin drugs? <laughs> never. I just, uh, wow, that's news to me. I'll have to look we, that up. Yeah. Were we just talking about that yesterday? Yesterday and the day before yeah. that. And the day before that. And and a yeah, year no. ago and 10 years uh, ago. And, I'm not, yeah. Yolanda, where you been? Uh, and maybe Yolanda's <laughs> new. Uh, not not berating Yolanda. No, thank you for asking the question. I'm always loving to talk about this subject. And and uh, uh, she says, and if someone has liver issues like cirrhosis, what would you recommend for pain? My mom's liver doctor told me that Tylenol is the best for her to take. Oh, for what? Oh, for you know what? Say <laughs> this is why we. This is what gives doctors a wonderfully intelligent name. Yeah, this is the liver that we're talking. I just had to double check here. We're talking about the liver. This it is, is the liver. The M in medical doctor really means moron. <laughs> My mom's number one, doctor. N- number one cause of liver failure in yes. emergency rooms and in the hospitals. Mm-hmm. Tylenol. Tylenol. And, and this yeah. is a, a liver doctor telling <laughs> your mom to take Tylenol. She said, I told him I thought it was bad for the liver. And he said she should, she could take four a day. Oh, well, if at least you put a limit die, on it, right? He put, at least you put a limit. Yeah, at least you didn't say 40 a day. Good yeah. Lord. Do you, do you, this is the exasperated day, Robert day, Scott day. going, why <laughs> do we have a doctor class that is actually looked on to have any level of uh, intelligent discourse on what to do for your health? Why do we look to these people? Four Tylenol a day for someone that's already got cirrhosis. Uh, 
that's this has got to be a setup, right? Yolanda, you're kidding, right? You're joking. I mean, I, I I do make fun of doctors being not so intelligent, even though I acknowledge doctors have some level of abilities to pass the exams in medical school and all that, but they're really programmed morons for medicine. Any and then get gastroenterology, that's the field that encompasses liver health or liver disease managing liver disease that they often contribute to by saying stupid things like your mom for pain, even though she's got cirrhosis could take up to, you know, four Tylenol a day. For those of you around the world, that's acetaminophen paracetamol. It's got different words or, or you know, ways to describe it, but it's, it's one of the most liver toxic drugs on the planet. So Yolanda, what can you do for cirrhosis? Well, first of all, statin drugs causing this. Yes, absolutely. In, in fact, we were talking about this with uh, uh, Joe Messino from nutritional frontiers yesterday. That's where this came up. That's why I said, we only talked about it yesterday. Statin drugs are stupid. They destroy the, the liver. That's the way that they reduce cholesterol levels, which are not really the problem or cause of heart disease or vascular issues. The destruction of the liver, that's the cause of it. And they give you a drug that destroys the liver. What will help the liver? Selenium and chromium. If you aren't already picking up the 100% whole food forms of that, you can get it without having to think literally about it. You just like, it's there. Go to choose to be healthy.com. Jonathan from choose to be healthy. He's got it covered for you. You don't have to worry. He's not carrying the synthetic garbage and you have the whole food forms of it. And you can use the code discount code RSB five. You can always call him at 866-424-1077. 866-424-1077 to do things for your liver. Dandelion's excellent for liver. Can just can just, which you can also get the Alta health products. Can just tea a powder that you'll take a level teaspoon of that and you'll mix it into warm water to activate it, drink it down, or you can blend it with other things, but the warm water activates it. Drink it down three, four times a day, especially your mother with cirrhosis, increase the whole food selenium and chromium as well. There are other things that can help the liver. There's a lot that can help the liver. Some of which we talked about yesterday with Joe Messino, nutritional frontiers has many options. You can use the code RSB 15 to get those discounts as well. Now for pain, what I don't know what kind of pain. I mean, if you if your liver is painful, that's I mean, that's pretty significant. But let's see, best kind of what do you recommend for pain? So it's a general pain. There's kind of a lot of inflammation. Well, uh, I think it has to do with cirrhosis. As if someone has liver issues like cirrhosis, what would you recommend for pain? Yeah. Well, copper. No. Bioactive copper hydrosol. The sovereign copper would be critical because guess what? Copper has a side benefit to the liver, helping phase one detox pathways, helping to produce the uh, superoxide dismutase, SOD1, copper, critically necessary for SOD1. So copper, critical for iron to be utilized uh, in, in many ways in the body, including for oxygen transport, which is another reason why the liver is having problem, probably a lot of circulatory issues. So the sovereign copper would be great. We have links to that. You can get discounts on that through the links at robertscottbell.com, sovereign copper. Coffee enemas. I, no! hey, look, you know, you know, um, a doc, a doc, doctor last hour, uh, Dr. Michelle Perrow was talking about the Merck manual going way back. Homeopathic remedies, herbal remedies, coffee enemas were listed as a viable option as well for liver health and detoxification in, in the Merck manual. So these things are known, but they are abandoned for pharmaceuticals that actually kill and destroy the liver, therefore kill you too. So as we uh, go through this, there's a lot more to, to do for your liver. I don't have time to go into it further, but remember the CBD pain. Yeah. Kratom pain. Yeah. 
absolutely. Essential fatty acids. There's a lot of options you have. What else reduces pain? Ty Bollinger and his propaganda exposed docu-series. It's episodic, folks. And here he is, the episodic man himself. Ty Bollinger, back on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Woohoo! What's up, RSV? How you doing, buddy? Good to be back on, man. Sorry okay. I couldn't make the first half, but half's better than none, right? Absolutely. Look at your lean muscle mass. I keep saying, dude, it's just not fair. I got it, but it's a lot, a lot less. But anyway, uh-huh. looking good, my friend. Oh man, well I appreciate it. I'm just it's it's warm here today, man. I'm ready for some fall weather, but it's hot. It well, it's not hot, but it's yeah. it's definitely warm in Tennessee. It's not doesn't feel like November second or third, whatever. Yeah, it is. I was looking at the weather reports. I'm going to go through St. Louis, then down to Branson this weekend, and it looks like it'll be in the 60s and 70s, which is great because I'm looking outside right now. It's snowing, so uh, I don't mind. Although I know you're ready for cooler weather, but I- I'll take it while I'm out east, if you will, this weekend. I'm envious if it's snowing there in Utah. I wish I were there. Well, come on, my br- my friend. Not that you have time, but are we in the pre-release si- segments? Uh, we've been hinting at it for Propaganda Exposed Uncensored Edition, which I always find funny because the first edition was not censored. <laughs> yeah, um, we're actually in pre-launch. Yeah, started pre-launch on Monday. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're doing pretty well. I think you're in the top five at this point. So We usually uh, get out of the gate fast, but we're so dinky compared to some of your friends that I don't even know. So. Folks, if you can, please keep signing up. The yeah, link Super Don sent out, and it's also in the show notes. It's also a banner at robertscottbell.com. Share that link for, with everybody, and that'll yeah. help us to help everybody. So thank you for that. Yeah, seriously, everybody that's, that's listening right now, if you haven't already done it, just take 30 seconds to go to the link. It's uh, it's Robert's page yeah, for the Propaganda Exposed, mm-hmm. and sign up to watch it for free. Just yeah. do it, and that'll help Robert, and it'll get a bigger viewing audience, so. There you it'll, have it. It'll be released what day? A week from today. So next Wednesday, uh, November the 9th is the release date. Okay. And so I'm just working frantically these last few days. It's not as bad as in the spring because that was I was finishing nine or eight brand new episodes at that point. Right. Now we've got one brand new one, which is nine, which is almost three hours long, by the way. So that in and of itself is a task, but I've got to update the other eight, but it's not as much as I had back in the spring. So mm. I'm not, I mean, I'm not working until three in the morning every day. Like I was then I'm, I've got a semi-normal schedule. I'm doing, I do like 15 hour days and I'm done. Wow. I, I don't envy you having to edit down the amazing interviews you conducted since the first release. Cause some of these people or all of them, in fact, I'm like, dude, you could do whole episodes with each one of them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, the 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 recent interviews that you haven't seen, man, they were great. Like with Dr. McCullough, Dr. Malone, mm-hmm. um, Esai Morales had a really good interview, man. Wait till you hear some of the I can't wait for Esai. He's awesome. Yeah. Um, Sean Stone has some great stuff to say. Stuart, uh, uh, Stu Peters, mm-hmm. you know, Stu's always, you know, he crossing the line. I mean, I love it, but I mean, he's, he's just out there. He just yeah. says what he thinks. So his was a great interview too. Mm-hmm. Um, Trying to think who else we got. I was just uh, thinking Dr. back. Brian no, Dr. Brian Artis is amazing. Dude, yeah. I was just thinking back to when we were together outside of Nashville near Franklin. In fact, for that uh, Nurse Freedom Network event. And you yeah. came down. It was outdoors. The tent. It was still warm out and everything. And um, I connected you with Peter McCullough. And that, at that point, you were already, again, you were already in the planning stages for that next edition. And I thought, dude, Peter would be amazing, as you knew it would. And uh, yeah. from that moment, it actually happened. And I'm sure it's going to be absolutely sensational what he reveals. 
Yeah, that was really cool because at that point we were planning this new, um, you know, the update, new new potential two episodes. We only did one, but mm-hmm. we knew we had more coming. And, and uh, you know, everybody knows Peter McCullough, but it just so happens that you're there with him and you're friends with him already. So, yeah, you made the introduction. We hit it off. We were sickening bears. Both of us are yes, bears. Right. So we had that in common. And he came here to the house and did it just a. A great interview and everybody everybody that came though we got some really good good new stuff it's going to be very it's going to make all eight episodes that we already produced plus the ninth of course look really really fresh it's a totally different look it doesn't feel like the same documentary yeah well because i'm not in it that's why i cut i cut every instance of you out and i was i was then i was that's watching well, it and i was i was shocked it was like this is so good now i know what, what were you thinking i know I this is gonna be great everybody you gotta watch it now uh, so, uh, it's going to be amazing. Absolutely. I'm so excited for it. And, uh, I, I will mention it from the stage as well, uh, this weekend when I'm in Branson for sure. Uh, that'll okay. be one of the, one of the slides that I will present for everybody. And I have to kind of develop, I guess, a QR code. So people take pictures of it and it'll take them there. But I, I think sure. that's easy enough to do or super Don can help me. You, if you can't do a QR code, I mean, yeah. just give them your, your URL. I think it's just a, propaganda-exposed.com slash RSB, I think. Isn't that, isn't that your vanity? Probably. It probably okay. is. Yeah. Be uh, sure you click whatever link's on the page, folks. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Just- so I, I want to ask you, you're, you look, you're a loving guy. You're a forgiving guy. I know that. And, and, you know, look, we've all gone through life and people have done us wrong and any number of things have happened. And it's like, you know what, we're willing to forgive and move on. At the same time, we'd like to see accountability in people that do wrong, whether it be to us or to the country or, or whatever. And certainly there are yeah. a lot of people that have done wrong uh, under the guise of COVID emergencies. And the Atlantic has this uh, uh, opinion piece by Emily Oster or Oster. I, I think we're going to have to Osterize her. Uh, she says, let's declare a pandemic amnesty. We need to forgive one another for what we did and said when we were in the dark about COVID. And I'm like, we were talking about what you were getting wrong about COVID from the day this came out just about, and you had the opportunity to listen and learn and you ignored us. In fact, you denigrated us. You yelled at us. You said we should die. We're, we're killing people because we didn't get jazz. We didn't want to wear a mask on and on it goes. And you're saying forgive and forget that you won't even acknowledge that you wanted us to die because we wouldn't do what you told us we should do. All right. So you, gosh, darn it. I, I, yeah, I'm trying to be nice and forgiving, but I, I, I feel like I'm not there yet. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, they're so, you know, it's it's like, are they just completely ignorant or evil? Hmm. Right. You're either one of the you're one of the two. Uh, right. I mean, and a lot of people are just just that ignorant. You know, and maybe it's a mixture of the two and maybe it's a little bit of um, pride thrown in there. Right. Because a lot of people that were were wearing white coats. Right. That were pushing the vax and the distancing and the masks. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think a little bit of pride. It's like, well, I'm a doctor. I've got all this education. Why am I going to listen to these conspiracy theorists? These, I'm going to do what I, what the CDC says. I think there's a little bit of that. It's hard to say. Am I angry at those people now? I mean, yeah, to, to the extent that we see people every day that are dying suddenly. I just got more emails today and more texts today. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it was a 22-year-old lady just died pregnant lady died in their sleep with her child dead too 22 don't they don't die in their sleep that's not normal and uh 18 year old last week and we, you know every day i see 30 something 20 something teenagers infants dying suddenly dying in their sleep 
you know, walking with their family and then they just collapse and die. I mean, you see the footage. So to the extent that there's millions potentially of people that are dead because they didn't have access to information that they should have gotten. But the people that are now wanting amnesty said, oh, let's just, you know, kiss and make up. They were the ones keeping those people from knowing and suppressing us and censoring us and you. Yeah, they I don't know, man, there's got to be some sort of justice done. Right. I mean, they should have to mm-hmm. answer for those deaths to it. Yeah. And I think, happen? you know, the thing is about those folks, which they know they're on the wrong side of history, much less the present awareness and consciousness shift here with what's happened, that their argument or this woman's argument in writing in the Atlantic is like, I'm sorry, but not sorry. I just don't want to get in trouble for what I said or did. Please just let's let's move on. Like, yeah. Let's not look back. And so no accountability. In other words, I want to escape being held to account for what I did, for what I Mm -hmm. said. And uh, this is, you know, evidence of someone who is immature spiritually, much less uh, as an adult trying to wiggle out of something that, you know, rather than going, dude, like Tim Robbins, that to me is the quintessential uh, someone who's on the political left. We may not agree with on a lot of things, but hey, what the heck? The guy's got intellectual integrity. He looks back and he goes, dude, I bought it and I, I, I was wrong. It was devastatingly yeah. wrong. And he says specifically why intellectually engages in that's a guy I have great respect for. Yeah. We, we don't it's have true. to agree. It's not about uh, making everybody believe the same thing, but respecting no. the fundamental liberty, the freedoms that we were arguing for, even if they were right about the COVID jabs, you still have bodily autonomy. Do you not? Oh, no, no, no. We have to force you into it or else you can't have the freedom to leave your house. Right. The, the, that's what we're talking about. And this woman's going, oh, please don't hold me to account for that. Well, it's just another instance of the duplicity of the rules. Mm-hmm. They apply to one side and not the other. I mean, look at Dr. Brzezinski, for instance, okay? Dr. Brzezinski's been harassed for 30 to 40 years by Texas Medical Board and FDA. They take him to trial and they try to take his license and find him hundreds of thousands of dollars because he had, I think there was over a couple of patients that died that somebody, not even their immediate family, but somebody in their distant family sued or reported him and said they shouldn't have been having access to the antineoplast on treatment and that he's responsible for their death. Even though the immediate family really doesn't even say that. They took him to trial and they've taken six, I think it was $60 million was the, the, the he got fined. I don't think he, he had to pay it all, but regardless, he's been persecuted for that, for two deaths that the family wasn't even blaming him for, if I've got the details straight, but it's very close to those details. Mm-hmm. We're talking about millions of people that are, have died from co- after the COVID vaccine. Many of them were forced to get it for mm-hmm. either job or go to school or whatever. And they believe the lies of the other side and the CDC and the WHO and everybody that lied about it. And they relied upon the, the, those lies to make their decision. And some of them are dead. Who's going to hold them accountable? I mean, what's, yeah. what's a more egregious offense? Right. When we talk about acknowledging a wrong that has done. And I can acknowledge that and I can forgive someone that does that at the same time, where is accountability? Kathy C in the, in the chat room says, if they apologize, you can forgive then prosecute or they'll do it again. It's sort of like the kids, you know, the lenient parents that, you know, catch their kids doing something and they even admit it and they, and they say, mom, sorry, I'm so sorry. I'll never do it again. I'll never do it again. And the mom goes, okay. And then there's no consequence. And they went out and do it again. The mom goes, well, kid said he was sorry i thought uh, no but there has to be some accountability in that context you need to remember that and i you know i kind of pointed out this way with doctors you have to rub their noses in 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 the poop like you do with dogs sometimes 
to get them to see how horribly wrong it was, the things that they're doing. And they need to be held to account. But this, this again, this woman from the Atlantic writing this is just, oh, I don't want to get in trouble for anything I did. Uh, uh, please just let's move on. Let's mm-hmm. pretend nothing happened. Move no, that's not the way it works because then you'll get to do it again. And I am not of the uh, opinion that I can be tolerant, even though I'm a tolerant guy. You can believe differently than me, but don't be doing what you've done to result in the deaths of perhaps arguably millions of people. Yeah, and it's not just the people that died. I mean, look at the people that are still alive, that their lives are destroyed. Look at the people that lost careers. They lost pensions. They lost everything they'd saved for. They lost their home. They lost their families. Families were divided over this. Mm -hmm. People that are still alive are suffering way worse than people that have died, it looks Mm -hmm. like. This is right. So what about the people that are left, that their lives were destroyed based upon relying on that kind of information that we know now was not true. And then we know that Pfizer and CDC and all these entities, they knew what they were doing. They were pushing a lie on us. They knew the vaccine wasn't effective. They knew all these things, but they still lied to us. You know, again, got to be accountable. Well, the things that this writer in the Atlantic is doing, it's just, it's not different than anything else people in power have done forever. In fact, we're getting word of press release, breaking news from the Galactic Empire. The Galactic Mm -hmm. Empire. Yes, there's news about the Galactic Empire. The Galactic Empire is currently requesting amnesty for anyone who may have gotten carried away and blown up a planet with a Death Star. So uh, (laughs) kudos to the Babylon Bee for covering this story. Uh, Next level of, again, this is, yeah, it's absurd, but it's, it'll show that. I'm not making that up. There it is. Galactic Empire is now requesting amnesty for anyone who may have gotten, oh, we just got carried away and blew up, I don't know, is it Coruscant or which 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 uh, uh, planet is it today that they just blew up? We're sorry. We just need to move on. We just got carried away, right? This is the kind of thing. Yeah, we just got up. <laughs> I love their quotes too, Robert. Yeah. Oopsies happen. Forgive and forget, I always say. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, the planet. There goes another planet. Good. Yeah, Lord. I mean, the, the thing, one of the things I love about Babylon B and I've, Mike Adams, our good buddy, Mike, your good buddy as well. Same. Mm-hmm. He's the same as us. He has kind of the same sense of humor. Mm-hmm. He says if he ever uh, got an opportunity to write or work with Babylon B, he'd love to because it's the same sense of humor. But yeah. I just love the way that they make up their articles. You know, it's funny, though. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they've taken a lot of heat over the years for people reading them and thinking they're real. Right. Yeah. yeah. Just because people don't read the whole thing. But we posted an article very similar to that a few years ago. I wrote a very sarcastic article about something. I don't even remember what it was. Yeah. And and it was very clear. At the very first of the article, it says, this is satire. And then in yeah. the middle, it says, this is satire. And at the end, it said, this is satire. But they still were mad at us for trying to mislead them. And um, they just blasted us on social media and all that. But I'm like, how obvious? Do you, I mean, how many times do I need to tell you this is satire? There's a point that you reach where you're responsible for not reading and understanding what you read. I, you can't. You can't say it every sentence. Well, and the power of uh, even sarcasm, but different forms of humor, satire, especially uh, to bring light to something that people won't normally see. And suddenly they're confronted with it in a humorous way. And they're like, oh, oh, Uh, speaking of that uh, now, President so-called President Biden has also asked for covid amnesty, Afghanistan pullout amnesty, gas prices amnesty. Inflation amnesty, student loan amnesty, war with Russia amnesty, nuclear Armageddon amnesty, and weaponizing the FBI against political enemies amnesty. Again, that's you well, know, you know, th- those are all good things for him to ask for amnesty for those because he he probably has a little bit of culpability in some of those areas. So, yeah, well, I mean, get it while the getting's good, right? I'm thinking. 
Yeah, I am thinking. So uh, Propaganda Exposed Uncensored launching in seven days from now, but you can already get connected pre-launch to watch this for free. Uh, and that's a, I, that was a great uh, a quote. I don't, did I say that? I don't think I said that. Maybe I said that. What does it say? Way I'm to my little curse here. The easiest way to restrict freedom of the people is to restrict the flow of information. You said that exact quote. Unlike, unlike some people who I totally made up the quotes for. No, I'm just oh. kidding. No, I, every every quote that's out there yeah. was uh, somebody said it so, during their interview at some point. Mm-hmm. What I typically do is when I'm going through interviews and you know just listening to them the first time and making my notes, digital notes on who mm-hmm. says what at what point. Yeah, I'll like highlight them in a certain color if I'm like this is like a. Uh, you know, this is a, a nugget here that everybody's going to want to hear. You know, it's yeah. good for a graphic or whatever. It's a good grab, screen grab quote. And I'm going to use yeah, that no. as a slide. I think I'll use that as a slide to open my talk at the, uh, uh, the what is it, what's coming up this week? Uh, the, yeah, the uh, Reawaken America thing. So, yeah. And it's interesting because I've got, this is the lineup. We got Batar and then Artis and then Simone Gold and then me on Saturday. Okay. Is that crazy? What? Cool. A, crazy in a row lineup so i'm really excited about that seeing everybody and uh it's going to be an interesting weekend and then uh after that our friend g edward griffin hosting the next red pill expo in yeah. salt lake city and uh i don't know that? I, i'm going to be mc again so uh okay. well, and I'll be, right there for you yeah and i'll be speaking uh it's at the um uh, what is it called the salt palace convention center in salt lake city and you can use the code discount code rsp when you go to get a ticket uh, 10% off to save a little bit. And I, I know you can watch it online, but I'd love to have people come down and be there with us. Uh, Dr. David Martin will be there. Uh, let's see, gosh, uh, where's that cartoon super Don? Do you have that image? Somebody did a cartoon of a lot of the speakers there. Uh, Scott Shara will be one of the speakers there, of course, talking about the loss of his daughter, Grace, the hospital protocols. We just did another discussion on uh, another unfortunate death. I mean, these hospitals are absolutely killing fields. Uh, but on the image, uh, I think it's in the upcoming events tab of the Robert Scott Bell show website. Let me see if I got it here. There it is. Great awakening. No, I don't see it. Super Don. There it is. He's going to put it up now. Go full screen with that. I got to see that again. There's G our hero, our friend G Edward Griffin, our pal Dell big tree is going to be there. Sheriff Richard Mack is going to be there. Uh, let's see, uh, Dan Happel, Scott Shara, uh, Sherry Peel Jackson, who I just had on the show yesterday. She was awesome. And uh, Alex Newman, great historian, uh, writer, Mickey Willis. Uh, again, it's going to be an amazing weekend. So I encourage everybody, if you can't be there, you can stream it live, but love to have you there with us. So that's coming. And then up. there's you. Yeah. Look, uh, at you notice anything about my face that's a little different in that cartoon? <laughs> You've been having some McDonald's or something. I think I, I got know. some marshmallows or cotton balls in my cheeks, but <laughs> who's to complain? I'm trying to gain weight anyway. All right. So anyway, that was funny. Oh my goodness. All right. Yeah. So, so um when you see Ed, tell him yeah. that I've contacted him at least a dozen times letting him know we would love to speak there this year and he's never replied to me. Okay. So let him know that maybe he uh he changed emails or whatever, but I've been trying okay. to get in touch with him for months. Absolutely. Yeah. When I see him, I'll say, Hey, next red pill, we need Ty, at least Ty, Ty and Charlene. But uh, I'm sure that uh, it's a matter of timing. So I'll I'll see if I can con- make that connection in case there's a cross-up in communication. But you should be there, absolutely. Uh, let's see. What else we got here on the dot? I think we, we've covered a lot in a short period of time there, TMB. Now, are you doing a ton of media for the Propaganda Exposure? Are you getting interviewed every moment of the day? I'm doing a lot, but Charlene's doing way more than even me. We're, we're okay. just getting, getting a lot of interviews in there. She stood... Uh, 
she just did Children's Health Defense this morning. Okay. You know, Bobby Kennedy's channel. And then um, we heard you guys with Mike Adams uh, yesterday. It was awesome. Oh, yeah. We did Mike Adams. And then she's doing um, Dan Ball right now with uh, One America News, mm-hmm. OAN. So okay. Dan has a show. And then I think she's on in like seven minutes here with Roger Stone. I think oh, she's cool. going on him. And I'm going on Roger's show next week. So, yeah, mm-hmm. we're doing quite a bit. Awesome. Well, let's get that word out, get people uh, red-pilled, so, so to speak, uh, with the reality of what's happened here, what's happening, but what we can counter by more communication, more freedom of speech, and not more censorship. You want me to how's follow that, up with something? How's that for a period at the end of a sentence? Well, it was just such a nice thought. I was like, man, that makes a lot of sense. I agree. I have I'm too many of those. Going, I'm, like, I'm, a, I'm in the pew here at the church just listening <laughs> to the preacher. This, and just kind of nodding, right? Heal, you know, it's the healing ministry and everybody's welcome. <laughs> so uh, I got to ask family questions now because I, I don't get to see the kids much. I mean, I see uh, uh, Brianna's doing amazing things on music there in the national yep. scene. And uh, Bryce, I'm always, you know, say, how's he doing? What's the baseball update from him at, at university? And your, your your girls are growing up so big. So uh, any updates on any of the kids? Bryce is doing good down at school. He's finished. They, they just had like barely over three weeks of fall ball this year. So he did, okay. he did well in fall. Brianna's still, still killing it with, you know, crushing it with the music playing in Nashville all the time. Awesome. And, uh, hanging out and just doing, doing great here. She does a lot of CrossFit too. So she loves mm-hmm. the CrossFit and then, uh, Charity and Tabitha, they're just killing it with dance and riding horses and just loving the fall. Even though it's warm here, we've yeah. got the change of colors with the leaves and that's, yeah. it's beautiful. Absolutely. I love to see some of those fall pictures with kids on horses, you know, doing, doing, uh, that thing that I can't do. I can't ride horses. I'll fall right off, but I love it. <laughs> People that can do that. That's awesome. Yeah. I'll send some, I'll send some pics over of the girls and the, and how it looks around here. Cause it's really pretty and, and it's supposed to get, you know, cooler in the next few days. So mm-hmm. I'm ready for the chilly air. I bet you are. All right. So, uh, let's see. We got Propaganda Exposed Uncensored Edition coming out. Nine part series. The it's the ninth is the new episode, right? It's a super intense one. Is that am I reading that right? Yeah, the last episode, episode nine, is kind of a lot of what's happened between then and now, including you know the document document dump that shows that White House colluding with Facebook, yeah, for us and stuff. We're, a lot of good stuff has come out, bad stuff over the summer. Oh, that was it. Did Super Don get that article? I think you sent it to me. I don't know if you sent it to him. On Gateway Pundit? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they talked about that yesterday. Super D, did you see this? Medical freedom advocates speak out after Biden administration exposed censoring uh, uh, and silencing their voices. So, again, some news media coverage of the fact that our friends that were attacked, it was collusion, clear collusion, between the government and these media outlets and social media outlets uh, and yes, I think it's ripe for a lawsuit or many lawsuits. Yeah. And that Gateway Pundit article mentions Charlene and me specifically, as well as Bobby Kennedy. And I think Dr. Mercola by name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a good summary article of what's happened the last few, you know, few weeks. Yeah. It's like when we were at the health freedom expo and, you know, I was just telling the audience, I mean, and can you imagine Little old Ty Bollinger being brought up at the White House. They're talking about Ty and Charlene Bollinger. Like, what the heck is? And it, it's because they're worried about you. I make this wonderful, loving Christian couple. <gasps> We've got to yeah. stop them from speaking. Oh my gosh! At the we're White danger. House, we're we're a danger. We're a, we're a menace to society. <laughs> a menace. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I can't hang out with you anymore. You're just too menaceful. Menaceful? <laughs> I can't I'm, even say it. I'm just a dangerous. Well, I'm a, according to DHS, I'm a terrorist. Oh, no. Well, <laughs> Mr. Danger, can you take us out? We are finished with the show, except for the bonus round. And I know you got to go to this next interview, but thank you and Charlene and the whole family for all that you're doing. And we're excited about the next round of uh, Propaganda Exposed Uncensored Edition. Everybody sign up. Yeah, and I was just doing my best Mike Tyson there. But anyway, um, just always remember, folks, that the power to heal is yours. <laughs>
not everybody agrees with this, but it's you know it's a it's a road uh, device mm-hmm. that is pre-programmed for certain types of mics, and and a lot of them are road mics that the the presets are on this. I'm sure you okay. saw that when you were you were messing with it yesterday. Right. Yes. Yes. And so the pod mic is one. It's a very uh, reasonably priced microphone, mm-hmm. but it's very well put together. And so okay. I'm going to get the pod mic. I'm going to get the, uh, the the boom. Yeah. I'm actually going to have a boom again. It's been like awesome. forever since I've used a, yeah. a microphone with a boom. But that reduces uh, noise and also hopefully will keep me from shorting this stupid thing. Right. Yeah, it, it happens all the time. And then... Uh, Look at Bolden trying to help us out. You see this in the chat room? Hmm. Bolden says, I have to travel this weekend, but I can dig through my gear. I should have an extra mic here someplace. Um, What? um, I suppose. I don't want to take mics. He also says Rode Pod Mic is a great mic, too. So. But isn't I just like said the love? Dude, of yeah, Holden. you guys are just too kind. I just you know, and I'm not, I'm not used to that. So if I if I stutter in my responses, it's because I don't know yeah. what to say. Yeah, he uses the Procaster, which is yeah, that's the Rode version of the RE20. RE20, got it. Yeah, yeah. and those are spendy mics, dude. Those um, are but, those are higher end mics. Yeah, yeah, those are that's a nice mic. But I think what I'm going to do is I'm just going to go ahead and order the pot. Thank you, Michael. Mm-hmm. He has an extra Rode M1. Is that I the one you're looking it. at? That's another one. No, the one I'm looking at is the pod mic. Okay. It's like a $99 microphone. So, I mean, it's it's not, you know, compared to a lot of the other mics that are out there. But the thing is, is when you use a pod mic, you use a Rode mic like this. It's a, it's a great quality mic. I've seen it tested before. Mm-hmm. But when you run it through this unit, the level of processing that you've got going on in this little this little box, right, is it mm-hmm. basically – it it, it replaces the the compressor and the processing units that most people usually have in a rack it's a separate unit Mm -hmm. and they have managed to put that technology in here and i've seen the testing on this thing and they say that there's this the the level of quiet the noise reduction that you get on this here there's like this certain level of this i can't remember what it's called but it's like in in the the theory of sound reduction stuff like that it's like there's Mm -hmm. this this level um, that you can go to that is like the 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 lowest you can possibly go in in you know scientifically right gotcha and this is like one like one level just above that mm-hmm. so you can take a pod mic even a lower end still good quality pod mic by road run it through the processing list thing and you are sounding like a million bucks and well, again, I, mean, I can't wait for you to hear and for other right. people to hear how your headset mic sounded yesterday. Yeah, because we tested it yesterday, <laughs> and I could hear it locally. It sounded better. But think of all the way I've been rigging the, uh, uh, what is my unit, uh, Comrex unit? Yeah. It's uh, over 10 years old now. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I'm having to rig up on the road. You know, I'm going through USB adapters, uh, eighth-inch jack you know, things, audio, right. and it's like interface. Now I've got this one input and output through USB-C. I'm like, holy tamole, this is going to make travel so much easier and everything about oh, yeah. it. So again, thank you all. And that's going to, we're going to break it uh, or inaugurate it, not break it. We're going to inaugurate, break it in. We'll no, say, but, uh, it. Inaugurate its use on tomorrow's broadcast from uh, Branson, Missouri. That is the plan. Yep. It'll sound yep. great. So thank you again, guys. And we'll, we'll, we'll come up with some way we can, we can thank you in our own special way. Yeah, for uh, for doing what you did, but you have 
effectively allowed us to take things uh, technically for, to, mm-hmm. uh, to another level. Yeah. And you've made Robert's life much easier when he's doing these these road things because oh, now man. he's got one unit he can just plug right in. And like I said, you guys haven't heard it yet, but yesterday he was testing it in, in his kitchen table mm-hmm. and dining table and and he put on the headset mm-hmm. and it sounded I was just like, "Whoa." That that headset has never sounded that good before. It sounds better right. than than the studio mic yeah. that you're on right now. Well, and so. and when when I run my RE20 through the unit next week, when I'll have bring it back and set it up, that'll also probably change the way you hear me through the RE20. Most definitely, yeah. yeah, yeah, most definitely, yeah. Wow. So, and from a production standpoint, now I I, I just I can't wait to dive into this thing. Mm-hmm. It's just it's got so many different features and and capabilities and and things that um, it's it's just going to open up a whole new door for me as far as what it is I'm able to do from a sound standpoint mm-hmm. and a production standpoint. So, wow, that's awesome. Okay, I'm done geeking out now. But yeah, thank yeah. you, thank you so much. There, well, Bolden and is thank excited. you, Jonathan Eward. Thank you, everybody that has helped us, and we'll again. Yeah, you're right. We're going to do something. To- extra special and gratitude for all those that have, have able to step up way beyond. Now, did we get any feet or did I mention that for tomorrow? Uh, I can't remember because we've actually recorded ahead. We've got tomorrow's show already. It's happening a whole new hour with Jonathan E. Mord. And uh, we have, let's see a new documentary film. We're gonna Jonathan E. Mord uh, yeah. in, in our one. And just so that you guys know, so you don't freak out when you can, when you tune in tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, Rob or uh, Jonathan was traveling. He was in one of the Carolinas. And he was trying to connect with his laptop and there was, as always happens from time to time, mm-hmm. things don't, don't work out. And so we ended up doing a phone interview with him. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not a replay. It's not like a Sunday replay or something like yeah. that. It, it's our regular interview just on the phone. Complete new show. Yeah. Um, Stat- you'll have a static image hour. for those that watch the video, but hour two is a full on video as well, like normal Patty Myers and, and a documentary we want to premiere. And then Super Don and I covering a lot of different subjects to wrap it up and heading into uh, uh, the uh, Reawaken America tour for Friday. So, yeah, a whole new show tomorrow. Uh, please tune in. It's going to be great. And uh, if you haven't figured out uh, a good guy to support Jonathan E. Mord and his exploratory committee, please consider that. emord4va.com, emord4virginia.com, F-O-R. And <laughs> get him over the top. I'd really like to see him. Uh, displace Tim Kaine in a couple of years from now. Yeah, just the idea of having having him in the Senate. And, it, and if for no other reason, like there's not a lot of reasons, wouldn't it be cool to have a sitting or standing U.S. Senator as a regular feature on the Robert Scapel show? Yep. If Jonathan says, you know what, I don't care. If I'm Senator, I'm still going to be on your show every week. Uh, I believe him. He's not, he's not a guy that pretends like that. So that would be just on that alone. You're like, dude, you have a US Senator on the show every week. Yeah. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. <laughs> if you needed more incentive anyway. Yep. Uh, let's see what else are we doing before we wrap up. I've got to do uh, just under an hour uh, podcast uh, with Jason. Let me see if I have uh, met him. He's a good guy. He ran for Congress. Didn't win, but a real good constitutional guy. Uh, let's see here. Do I have, I can't figure out all the people that I'm trying to stay in touch with or, or reaching out, doing my best. There is Jason Preston. He's hosting me uh, on a podcast. He just had yesterday uh, Laban Ditchburn, the world's best courage coach on his show. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how, see, if I, I need a link to it so you can share it because it might be live, 
right? In a, in at four o'clock Mountain Time, so that'd be uh, six o'clock Eastern, three o'clock your time. If I can find the link, I'll send it to you. Maybe you can put it out so people want to watch. And I think he wants to talk about uh, spiritual stuff and 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 the Constitution and the country. And so I don't mind. I love talking about that too. So that could be interesting. The Jason Preston host a a daily show apparently. Uh, I don't. I think it might be on radio as well as on podcast. So that's coming up. And then I got to get the pack in for the trip. I got to leave tomorrow early. But again, new show tomorrow. New show. All right, man. We'll have a uh, have a good flight. Not that you have any control over that, but I'll hope for you. <laughs> and um, we'll be back then uh, on camera and live. Mm-hmm. On Friday from Branson, Missouri, dude. I'm so excited about that. Yeah, um, that's just like that's, that's 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 huge. And the people, I mean, not only are you going to be able to speak, which is awesome, mm-hmm. but uh, you're also going to get to interview a bunch of cool people too. Yeah, it could be interesting. So, and I still uh, haven't quite. Well, I guess we'll have to wait until you get there and get set up and see what your mm-hmm. your your abilities are. Right. Um, but we may end up going live just on like maybe a special broadcast from the event. Yeah, it's uh, possible too. Yeah. Yeah. Which we, I, um, something we don't normally do, but yeah. Can you send me that image that we showed? We'll tie that, that propaganda exposed image with me on it. Cause I want to use that yeah. as like a beginning slide, send it through Skype and I'll be able to grab it. Okay. Uh, and then I'll in it. Cause I got to work on my PowerPoint for that and that'll help too. Uh, any other updates or announcements we forgot to make today? Thank yous, anything like that? Uh, Orange Guard. I did mention Orange Guard, but not in the second again. Hour, OrangeGuard.com, y'all. Go to <laughs> your local Ace Hardware store and get it, or your local Whole Foods and get it, or go to OrangeGuard.com, send in a picture, and we're going to give you one last weekend to do it because next week we're going to do the giveaway. Speaking of that, yeah, Meredith Gabriel. Sent mm-hmm. in her picture. I think this is Meredith. I don't know if this is Meredith or maybe this is Meredith's daughter or grand. I don't wow, know. Wow, look at that. I'm guessing nice raised bed gardens yeah. there. Nice. I think this is her daughter or granddaughter, but uh and that's current. I'm just, I'm just guessing. Yeah. That's recent, so that's like not not that was winter. today. Doesn't look I got like that winter. today. Yes. Awesome. Meredith Thank does you. not have snow like like you and I do. <laughs> so I'm not sure where, where Meredith is at, but okay, awesome. Yeah, so just in time there for the contest. Yay. I'll put a new uh, collage together uh, maybe tomorrow. So we'll okay. have it for for show. And yeah, I think that's it. Mm-hmm. That's well, our I question got. of the day from Yolanda, uh, she was she's in the chat room too. And you know, I was I was asking her about was this a joke? She says, No, that joke about the statin drugs and the Tylenol for liver for pain. She says, No joke, my mom's doctor told me that. Uh, mm-hmm. I have learned that from you and want to make sure. Thanks. So she already knew about the time, but she want, yeah, wanted us to cover it again, which is good. I appreciate that you ask a question that may have answered many times because there are new people always joining us. So that's good. Thank Speaking you. Speaking of Laban. Yeah. It's funny. I'm, I was curious how he's doing. Have you heard from him? Has he, he landed safely in Mexico? Yeah. They seem to be having a good old time in Mexico with the heat. He's in the chat room on rumble. Oh, really? Yeah, hey, it's he's like I think he's like the first person ever that has has uh, commented our, in the chat our, room our, on Rumble. Our chat interface does it does it work through? Uh, no, it doesn't pick screen? up. Uh, it doesn't pick up Rumble. Oh, that's a bummer because I I don't see it. Then what does that say, Laban? Hey, Laban, 
you and Anna, we talk about you all the time. And I mentioned uh, you were on the, the show with Jason uh, Preston yesterday, and I'm going to do that today. So, Laban, if you have the link to the Jason Preston show or whatever it's called, drop it there and rumble for Super Don. It'll save him a lot of research to find it because I'll be on that <laughs> show today. That's real time asking help for help. Laban's a guy who will do it. He'll go, yeah, I think he sent, he might've sent it to me in fact on a text, but from yesterday. So I forgot about that too. But then again, I'm doing a live show. Can't remember everything. Let me see if I can find it. I'm scrolling. I think you sent scrolling, me scrolling. something about a link. I may like have. Zoom link or something? Yes. Here, stepping into your power. It's on YouTube. Uh-oh. I, I might get them banned on YouTube. Yeah, it's not your fault. Um. Yeah, let's see. I think I sent you that link. So maybe maybe they have a YouTube. I don't remember where I saw it or how you. Okay, sent it to so you. it's the the channel. It looks like it's We Are the People. That's the channel that they're on. If they're on other, they probably have to be on backup channels as well. But if we're talking about spiritual stuff, maybe it won't get him banned. I don't know. We'll see. I'm going to send that link to you in Skype. Maybe you can drop it into uh, the chat room as well, or okay. I can grab it there. So, um, if, if it's live, which I think it might be then in about 45 minutes, Oh, you know what? I think the thing you sent me was from Bobby Russell. That was different. Oh, that was different. Okay. So yeah. there is what I'm talking about. I'll drop it into the chat rooms. Isn't this exciting and interesting stuff, Robert and I like turn out. This is bonus round. This is what we do in bonus round. It's all rules are thrown out the window. Not that we have a lot of rules, but the bogus round, man. Why don't you guys stop talking to yourselves? Well, I know. All right, cool. So this is a YouTube channel that people can plug into, and it's a live broadcast that you'll be on? It might be, in fact. So if you want yeah, more, okay. we're getting the spiritual right. side of things with uh, uh, Jason Preston. And uh, I got to run because I got to get over there in time, and I need okay. to take a break in the middle. All right, man. Yeah. So thank you all for being here. God bless you. Uh, less than 22 hours from now, it will be back. We will be back. We have it. It's already in the can, but it's all new. Nothing you've seen or heard before. Coming up on the Robert Scott Bell Show tomorrow. And I thank you for being here. All right. See you guys later.